my my voice still sounds it almost sounds like I just woke up because it's I've I've been using it a lot this weekend. Yeah, I, I, a lot of shouting at people. I'm coming. So I'm, it's there it is. Let's let's <laughs> wait, hear it. Wait, wait. Uh, I'm coming. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brian, I uh yesterday went and saw you in the escape room. At the escape room. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. testing out a new version of the show. One of the many versions that people can play based on the choices that they make in the other escape room. And this one was pure horror. All jump scares and and spooky ghosts and all of this other stuff and uh, and me spooky. just yeah me just monologuing for uh, two hours hell yes it was it was a lot of fun to actually get the chance to see you like in your element doing the thing and I had a lot of fun just solving puzzles and getting spooked so yeah. this is your uh, PSA to go to Madness nineteen seventeen. In case you have over at Doors of Divergence, more like Doors of Neurodivergence. Hey. That's true, Josh. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds. We tried a couple of intros already, and we haven't come up with anything, so we're just starting the fucking show. Fuck it! I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. AJ is currently indisposed. He went to a rival escape room in New York, <laughs> and he has been there for at least 72 hours, and yeah. I believe this is just kidnapping at this point. You want to play a game? <laughs> so sitting in our third chair instead... Uh, we have the inimitable uh, Greg Foster of the Brigham Young Money podcast. You may remember him from our episode on Saturday's Warrior. Uh, and yeah, I'm welcome. Coming. There we go. Welcome yeah. back, Greg. <laughs> good, good morning. Sunday morning. <laughs> Greg, you inflicted a lot of psychic damage on us uh, a few months ago by having us watch Saturday's Warriors. So we figured we ought to return the favor in kind. This week, our case study in the pop culture of this horrible fucking dying empire is the one, the only 2014 classic, God's Not Dead. I wish he was. Starring, starring Kevin <laughs> Sorbo. Yes. In uh, a, really a remarkable performance, uh, which <laughs> we will talk all about. You will hear so many words pronounced in ways oh. you couldn't have imagined before. How does Kevin Sorbo have the Jim Rome goatee in 2014? <laughs> how is that still so, a, how is that still a look that is presentable my theory is that kevin sorbo watched a lot of episodes of house and said okay i'm just going to do what hugh laurie did in house that's a really good theory yeah but i get it like me I but, mean, he's, kevin but he's but he's kevin sorbo shit. and he can't right. he yeah. can't do that Greg, i guess i'm just, just to get started like you know you have watched some christian or christian adjacent films over the course of the years um how your, your first thoughts what did you know about god's not dead as a film uh and 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 how did this experience stack up to what you were expecting as everyone does i have a terrible addiction to my phone and i i tend to scroll through movies or when i'm watching shows or something mm -hmm. I put my phone down and put it away so I could have my full attention on this movie because I was mm -hmm. it was so bad and I was so appalled. Like there's almost like an irony to it that it's such dog shit that like yeah, I it's actually kind of enjoyable. Like it's really yeah, it's it's just a, it's a slow moving racist 
train wreck. Yeah, were you expecting the racism when you came into this? No, but that first scene really, I mean, it was just like a <laughs> chef's kiss. You know, I'm, I'm, I know we're going to get into it, but that first scene where the, the girl is in oh, her, yeah. her hijab and her dad is driving yeah. her to school while like fixing her hijab so it makes sure to like perfectly cover her face was just, uh, I just imagine like Ben Shapiro watching that and just be like, <laughs> if I knew how to come, I would be doing it right now. <laughs> you know, we don't oftentimes just do the shit, like just the absolute horrible yeah. slop that is straight out of the asshole of the evangelical poisoned brain. That's what it is. It's straight up slop. Yeah. The yeah. very lowest tier of Christians. These these people, <laughs> these people are like if, if you if what we tend to explore is like the Christians who are up at like undead Berg, the Christians who made this are blight town Christians. These are the people who go to Donald Trump rallies and cheer when they get made fun of. Yes. Yeah. Remember like, yes. when he was yeah. doing the whole like toilet thing? He was like, <laughs> yeah. you, you got to yeah. flush 10, 12, right. 15 times. Not me. Not me. You. you. Right. You. Right. You. Right. You. right. They're, yes. And they're I like, yes. Those, yes. those people. My dumps are so horrible. <laughs> they cannot flush. Yes. I clog six toilets a day. <laughs> it's those people. It's the people who like misinterpret the Bible at, at every family dinner where it's nothing but fried mayonnaise balls. It, it's it's remarkable the way that it just insults your intelligence yes. at every turn. And we'll talk about different examples of this. Before we get into actually recapping the movie itself, though, I think we just ought to take a moment to talk about uh, a man known as David A.R. White. So people may have seen David A.R. White in another place, right? There is a very old meme. Hey, Scotty. Jesus, man. That's David A.R. White. Does the A.R. stand for assault rifle? Uh, no, it stands for <laughs> it's, Armalite it's, rifle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was in a movie called Second Glance that he made in the 90s. He actually did have some bit of a career in Hollywood outside of shitty Christian movies. He was in a sitcom called Evening Shade, which no one remembers, but it starred Burt Reynolds in the early 90s. That sounds like a feminine hygiene product. <laughs> Yeah, it does, it, this sounds awful. It sounds like uh, it, it sounds like a ripoff of like Red Shoe Diaries. Uh, he he did some little like guest appearances. He was on uh, Coach, I think. Then started to get into Christian movies, and then got into producing Christian movies. He right. actually produced a Frank Peretti adaptation of his book, The Visitation. Then largely because he was getting into this in the in the very earliest parts of the 21st century, The Passion of the Christ happened showed that Christian movies can be extremely viable and Pure Flix has been able to ride that, but didn't really have a, a banger, didn't have a big hit until God's Not Dead. Right. And that company, Pure Flix Entertainment, which I love, <laughs> and actually apparently now it's called Pinnacle Peak. They've changed well, the name. I think the company is called Pinnacle Peak, but the Pure Flix brand uh, is still okay. there. Like Got they it. still have the website Pure Flix. Their homeschool curriculum is still marketed as Pure Flix because, yes, they have made their own homeschool curriculum. Oh, hell because that's yeah. That's what everyone does in this world. Um, so, Greg, um, you have three guesses for where is Pinnacle Peak headquartered? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're my neighbor. It's not Utah. So Very outside close. of Utah, you get you get two more guesses. Is it uh, is it somewhere in the West? Oh, yeah, it is. Southwest, uh, baby. Yeah. Four corners even. Is it Arizona? 
Oh yeah, it is Arizona. Okay. We're come on, in Arizona. Come on. Are we going you're, you're like? So... It's, is it going like? Are we going Mesa? Not quite. <laughs> uh, I also should probably go on record and say that Phoenix is my least favorite city in <laughs> all of America. Well, We've then you've got be, that in common. You'll be happy to know that it's Scottsdale, oh, Arizona. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. You mean Provo Southwest? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, David A. R. White uh, is perfect. Not actually a minister but oftentimes we'll play pastors and stuff like that in movies yeah it's like a wish fulfillment thing holiday in express ass minister this movie god's not dead was two things for him first of all it was the opportunity to produce a full-length you know feature film that would launch the brand pure flex and it was an opportunity for him to showcase his own acting skills as sort yeah. of the core yeah protagonist who links all these stories together. God's Not Dead was able to capitalize off of the uh, the the Kendrick brothers who were the guys who made Facing the Giants mm, Fireproof mm-hmm. which was their big like you know Kirk Cameron's jacking it to porno let's make a lot of money this year movie Flywheel He's just like me for and, real. <laughs> and and that one you know that movie was successful enough it actually got distributed by by like Goldwyn Films that was not Pure Flix itself but Pure Flix was able to sort of ride that wave they were able to take all that money and put it into something that was built for virality in the same way that Fireproof was right right it was not just a name it was a slogan it was a hashtag it was a thing to text all of your friends and of course we will get to that once we get to the end of this movie yeah and and, and one of the things that we often talk about on this show is how Within the evangelical Christian world, as well as the Mormon world, uh, there is a completely parallel media landscape. 100%. Yeah. So Pure Flix is only ever going to be making movies that is marketed directly to that demo. They have no interest in trying to have any sort of crossover appeal to people who are outside of the evangelical bubble. And we pretty quickly see this at the beginning of this movie, because from the word go, Everything that you're seeing is aggressive signaling to the desired audience, right? We've got a guy. It's this young man. He's walking casually across his college. Uh, by the way, it's very clearly LSU. Just wanted to point that out. It is the campus of Louisiana State University. Godless Louisianans. But uh, not not in the world of this uh, movie. Uh, but yeah, he's wearing a Newsboys t-shirt, uh, the Christian band Newsboys. We've got like this really horrible music playing underneath this montage. There's basically a bunch of B-roll shots, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and you're, yeah, you're seeing the introduction to all 12 of the plots of this movie. Yes. <laughs> There's so, that was the thing that like really fucked with me. Uh-huh. Like I knew it was going to be slop coming in, but yeah. again, me with my ADHD scrolling brain, there right. was, yeah, there were like 12 different tangential plots that still don't really make a whole lot of sense going on in this movie. Like that made it genuinely confusing as I was watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Granted, I'm like room temperature IQ guy, but <laughs> Jesus Christ, like that that's a movie that should be made for me. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, a love actually thing, right? Yes, too yeah. much. A million plots going on and you could just like cut it down to the main one, but then you'd have a 45 minute long movie. Right. That would still feel way too long. But here we have our our protagonist, Josh Wheaton. He's the one who was wearing that Newsboys t-shirt and walking yeah. across the campus. He is played by an actor named Shane Harper who has actually been pretty successful in the oh. in the years since he was on like Power, he's on some other show that's like not a Christian show. He 
also is the one singing that horrible song at the beginning of the movie. Really? That is a Shane Harper song that includes... That's an original. Just a fantastic <laughs> lyric to me that just says, The demons will harm you and try to steal what you know. I hate it when that happens. What, what is it? <laughs> I hate it when demons are coming in my house and trying to suck all of my knowledge out of me. Just the name Josh Wheaton is really fucking with me. Like, that sounds like yeah. some sort of, like, Midwestern, like, shamed Congress person who spent, like, his entire <laughs> career yeah. just, like, passing the worst anti-trans legislation <laughs> only for them to find, like, kitty porn on his computer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and that it is... just makes me think of Joss Whedon. Yes, that every time. too. And it's like, oh, it's this, this guy's going to grow up to become the showrunner of Biffy, the vampire. <laughs> Empire Slower. Like, I mean, either way, it's a sex pest, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> sex pest congressman. Yeah, uh, 100%. So we see Josh Wheaton. He's going to sign up for his first ever classes. He's never gone to school before. We have the Muslim burqa girl who's wearing a hijab that's also a niqab at the same time. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's, it's just a scarf. Yes. Like, you can just buy a niqab they just, on the they internet. Got, they, they, they got it from Urban Outfitters. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, 100%. Like, you have to cover the whole face with the scarf. That's what they do over there. <laughs> it's wild. There, there's a couple other people who we see as well. Uh, there's a, a, a Chinese guy riding a bicycle. Yeah, and he's being followed by, like, the organ harvesters from yeah. the CCP. And then there's another woman who uh, is realizing that she's overslept. She's looking at her alarm Ooh, clock and it's like, oh, yeah. no, I'm late for my thing. I, I wonder if she's a big old slut. Mm. Probably. So what will connect all these people? Well, we'll just have to wait we'll find to out. find out. God works in <laughs> mysterious ways. Oh, yeah. Because even with this montage, we have not introduced all of the plots. There are still Correct. like three more plots that are going to show up in the next 10 minutes. But ultimately, what this does at the beginning, uh, you know I love talking about economy of storytelling. And yeah. The economy here there is, is that none. we're going to have a bunch of guys. We, yeah. we're, we're, we're in hyperinflation of the economy here. Uh, so, Thanks, yeah, Biden. Josh, Josh Wheaton is here at not Louisiana State University <laughs> to register for classes. Like, I assume this has to be like the, the stereotypical like liberal arts, like coastal elite college, correct? I think so. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what think they so. were trying to portray. Like, if there is any sort of subtlety in this movie, it is that. And so this is what registration looks like at this liberal college. Um, philosophy 150, Radisson 11, um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Got the music uh, from Hitman playing underneath? Hitman, <laughs> instructor. Yes. Let's just say you're wandering into the snake pit. I recommend Patel or maybe uh, Mueller. <laughs> Come on, man, you can't be that bad. Think uh, Roman Coliseum. Oh boy, this guy cannot talk. You can cure you to death. <laughs> yeah, but I'd have to rearrange my whole schedule. I don't think I can really. It's your funeral. Last drop date is the 22nd. You might want to keep that in mind. So you can tell this movie is written by guys who are a thousand years old because <laughs> class registration happens at a bunch of tables on the lawn with yeah. paper. This is not how any college student registers for a class anymore. No. You maybe see an advisor and then they pro put it into a computer for your very first semester and then you just do everything else from your computer from then on. It hasn't been this on. way in 20 years. Yeah, I was going to say, I went to college 20 years ago <laughs> and I registered online every time. Right. The right. internet has been a thing for a few, few years now, folks. Josh needs to think about a different prof because this guy... 
Oh, he's he's like the Roman Colosseum. You know, this guy's a Christian, though, because when everybody who tries to go as a freshman in college, like the number one thing is to try to get laid. And this guy is doing the exact opposite of that, <laughs> by, like wearing a newsboy shirt. Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How can I get less laid? Yeah. Well, he doesn't. What he no doesn't pussy need does to, to a motherfucker? <laughs> he doesn't need to get laid because he already has a girlfriend. I don't know? think she exists. I don't well, think she's real. You don't think she's real? <laughs> No, I don't think she's real. We'll get to that, but okay. I, I think she she might be a ghost. Okay, so so she is a figment of his imagination. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's our introduction to Josh. Josh is going to yeah. go to college and he's going to be in this class with this horrible atheist professor. Uh, by the way, Martin, the uh, the Chinese guy who was riding the bike before, he yeah. also shows up at registration and he, he's a guy who exists. Just keep him in the back of your head for now. Yeah. <laughs> so the next thing then is we jump over to that lady from before the lady who was oversleeping in her car trying to get to wherever it is she needs to go and she calls her boyfriend on the telephone you're on with mark hey i need you to give me directions you're kidding right nope somebody saw my gps and my phone has decided that it is spinning propeller time they have to do it the nikkei just opened and there's a massive sell-off going on oh i'm a businessman i'm doing business for us friday at the reeve ghost wait you'll take me to the reeve ghost but you won't take the time to give me directions What's in it for me? <laughs> You're kidding, right? You're serious. Okay. Well, I'm on my way to an ambush interview of Duck Commander Willie Robertson. <laughs> and I am going to crash that party and hold his feet to the fire. And yesterday, discreet web hits were over 32,000, which means I am on pace for over a million views this month. My God. And my own oh my God. advertisers. That's my girl. Lots of fun. That's my girl. Can I just say my favorite thing about this is the intro, the way that that uh, Dean Cain answers his phone as if he's Mike Francesca. <laughs> You're on with Mark. He says that the Nikkei just opened. It's like yeah. noon in yeah. uh, Louisiana. No, it didn't. It's like <laughs> 1 a.m. in Japan. What are you talking about? They start early over there. <laughs> Here's Dean Kane. This is a guy who gets puss. She's fucking this guy. She's a big <laughs> right. old slut. Right. Uh, and now she's going to go do some gotcha journalism to to Willie Duck Dynasty. Yes. Which obviously like immediately for the audience that this is for paints her as the worst fucking cunt alive. Right. The she fact is that she would news. go after. Yeah. yeah, yeah she's yeah. going to go after Willie Duckman is just horrifying and um, evil because this is a, a, a we'll see. This is a recurring thing throughout this movie that every single non-Christian character is just hopelessly avaricious and spiteful and just, you know. The worst people on earth. Exactly. Yeah. I see Dean Kane. I was like, who I have not seen since I was a child. <laughs> well, clearly you're not watching enough Christian movies. No, I'm not. Because he's I, in I, all of them. I, I, and, I, and I understand that. And, you know, and I'm, I'm happy for him to have carved such a great niche. Right around this time is when I put the phone away. And I was okay. like, yes. <laughs> I, am, I am John Travolta in Pulp Fiction with my baggie of heroin. Just in case we didn't have enough people to keep track of. Uh, there's another lady who shows up. She's like a brunette, kind of thin. Uh, yeah, she's she's pretty. got an, she's she's got an Alzheimer mom, right? Yeah. We, we have a scene. We have a scene where there's Alzheimer's happening, and also the camera won't stop moving. <laughs> the, they they set up this curved dolly, and they're like, we're actually just going to do every setup this way, so it's just always like rotating right. back and forth around just this completely still old woman trying her best to play like she has Alzheimer's and failing. She keeps going in and out of focus. It's great. At this point, we are in 
class. Finally, we've introduced Oof. pretty much everybody. Josh has showed up in class. Uh, Martin, the, the 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 Chinese kid who was yeah, at Chinese registration Martin. with him yeah. at the beginning, uh, he is also here. And Kevin Sorbo shows up finally. Oh, Hell wow. Yes. Professor, Professor Radisson. Yes. Professor Hotels himself. That's right. I mean, this is what peak performance looks like. Yeah. <laughs> this is the ideal male body. Going into this, I had my preconceived notions of like Kevin Sorbo, like being yeah. the hero. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem mm. like he would be the type of guy who would take this role. Right. My only mm -hmm. real interaction or like experiences with Kevin Sorbo is Hercules. Right. And yeah, the worst posts on Twitter.com. <laughs> yeah. He has so yeah, much yeah, yeah, of yeah. that like alpha male bullshit in his in his yeah. Twitter post that I and like he really tries to prop himself up as this hero and this bastion of Christianity that I never honestly would have thought he would have taken the role as the atheist professor and I was also very excited because I know that Kevin Sorbo is not good at acting so yeah. I was like <laughs> again give me the slot baby I'm here for it yeah that's the amazing thing is like him and Dean Kane they're the two big names and they both play the worst guys yes and it's just because they're playing themselves right they're fucking assholes yeah <laughs> and so here we have Kevin Sorbo showing off all of his his prodigious talent yeah. as an actor by trying to say words and failing and naming philosophers' names. <laughs> yes. Michel Foucault. Foucault. Bertrand Russell. Ludwig Feuerbach. Bertrand Brecht. Friedrich <laughs> Nietzsche. Ayn Rand. George Santayana. Democritus. Denis Diderot. David Hume. John Stuart Mill. Albert Camus. Richard Dawkins. Sigmund Freud. Noam Chomsky. Noam Chomsky. Dog, you can just say gnome. Yeah. Poets. He'll answer your emails. Authors. Towering intellects. All of them. Hmm. But what do they all have in common? They are all on Jeffrey Epstein's flight logs. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys think uh, Kevin Sorbo has ever uh, read Manufacturing Consent? No. I don't think he's no. ever read <laughs> no. anything. It's also so like intentional this... that they uh, they included Ayn Rand. I thought that ruled. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they, I, I don't know, like these authors are just so not bright. I think they just like typed into Google philosopher atheist quote right and typed out everybody who they could find yeah. because there is no philosophy class where you're going to be talking about Ayn Rand or to be honest Bertolt Brecht right, right. he's a he's, he's someone you talk about in a theater class because he had a lot of theories on how to do theater but he's not an important philosopher like globally you right. know and you might also potentially come across Brecht in a political science class but philosophy mm -hmm. no it just it's just because yeah, like, yeah they don't I mean he is a philosopher but it's a very specific like you know philosophy of like aesthetics and right. like how to do storytelling in a way that is like effectively propagandistic and, and, and educational mm -hmm. and this is no surprise that the writers don't know anything here all yeah. they know is that these people showed up when they googled right. you know famous atheist philosophers so they put the list out Kevin Sorbo reads them off and says yeah what what do they all have in common uh, a man known as G-Dog uh, incorrectly answers that they are all dead. Yeah, this guy, he introduces himself with his nickname and his real name. My name is G-Dog, Gerard Triga. This is a black character, if you can't tell, uh, <laughs> whose last name rhymes... Yeah, it's I don't a, have to finish that thought. This movie is really racist. <laughs> you it's, will never see this so character again. <laughs> That's like a mad TV bit. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, oh. Like, why did they do it? He doesn't yeah. appear at any other point in this film. Not even in the background somewhere. We love That's Easter his one eggs. Line. And with your permission, I would like to bypass this senseless debate altogether and jump to the conclusion which every sophomore is already aware of. There is no God. All that I require from each of you is that you fill in the papers I've just given you with three little words. God is dead, along with your signature. Assuming we reach a unanimous consensus, which I expect we will, I will be spared the tedious duty of slogging through dry and dusty arguments, and you will bypass the section of the course in which students have traditionally received their lowest grades of the semester. Why, why would you do this? Why wouldn't you just start with Plato's Republic? <laughs> <laughs> I just really want him with his funny accent to try to pronounce Immanuel Kant. Yeah. 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 If the fact that he can't even say Bertrand Russell, he's like Bertrand Russell. <laughs> I also have to say we we just talked about did, Adventures yeah. in Odyssey where they just hung on Bertrand Russell for whatever reason because he and C.S. Lewis had little like arguments with each other in the newspapers. Oh, like, and, and this movie quotes C.S. Lewis a few times, too, because mm-hmm. as we talked about in our episode on Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis is like the guy who they think of as their big intellectual, even yeah. though he's a complete lightweight when you actually go in and read his shit. Yeah. And, and speaking of lightweights, the other one that they quote is Lee Strobel. Yes. <laughs> like they like, there are other people who are still lightweights who are slightly better than Lee Strobel, at least. <laughs> but but nope, that's who they decide to go with. Like they might as well just go with John Hagee or whatever. (laughs) And yeah, Josh, you know, he can't do it. He can't (sighs) sign this piece of paper that says God is dead. That that would go against his values. And so Sorbo says, you're going to need to defend the antithesis that God is, in fact, not dead. He negotiates that, like, the rest of the class is going to have to vote at the end on whether God is dead or not. (laughs) And if he can't convince everyone that God is not dead, he's going to just get failed on 30 percent of his grade right up top. Everyone in this class is not a Christian. So he has to convince (laughs) all like 40 other students in the great state of Louisiana. (laughs) This was the part that actually like kind of fucked with me a little bit because it's like I understand that this movie is just one gigantic right-wing stereotype but like mm-hmm. if if a, if a philosophy teacher really did pull this kind of shit they would get fired so quickly oh, so it's so unbelievably it's, unethical and it's i know discriminatory it, yeah, you know completely yeah. and like yeah especially singling out the like the one christian kid at lsu <laughs> which of course hilarious but it's just that like <laughs> that perfect stereotype of like the yeah. the christian man everyone is against you especially at these like liberal elite colleges it's just it's again it's that it's that slop that is completely permeated especially like watching this movie in 2023 10 years later and yeah. seeing like this kind of seems like the genesis of all this culture war shit that yes. is only metastasized mm-hmm. and it is fascinating to go back and watch it like as like you know a little i guess as like a, a toddler yeah and, and I, th- I think that's a good point that you know you do have to analyze it for its place in time That at Mm -hmm. this point, Obama was still president, right? He was just really going into his second term when they shot this film. And Obama was going on TV every day saying God is dead. That's right. Obama (laughs) have killed him. (laughs) We uh, drone strike God. (laughs) At a wedding. We will 
We will all. We, we will tortured all, some folks. We the will apostles. all remember uh, Obama's famous <laughs> fireside chats where he repeatedly yeah. talked about how we are going to execute all Christians. And so yeah. this is in direct conversation with that. He wore that tan suit. And the reason people were mad because <laughs> it, it was because it had been blessed by a coven of witches. That's right. Abu Ghraib, more like Abu God. Got him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, like it, it, <laughs> so bad. It, this, this, this also comes back to the idea that is common in a lot of uh, evangelical culture, too, of like becoming a martyr. Right. Yes. And, yeah. I, and I want yes. to take a moment to talk about that, that like, I'm, Greg, I, I'm sure, you know, given that you were in Utah when it was happening in Colorado with Columbine, Cassie Bernal, the whole she said yes thing, uh-huh. which turned out was just a crock of shit that they made up. Imagine that. They love this idea that at some point somebody's going to be like, hey, if you are really a Christian, you have to say it in front of everybody and you're yeah. going to get fucking killed. And they're you know, like, yep. yes, yeah, I'm a that, Christian. That was pretty bad. But, you know, at least there wasn't a Christian band that decided to re- release a book saying, yes, Christians will be killed. Here's all of their stories <laughs> of Christians being killed for their faith. Maybe a band featuring uh, noted lead singer Michael Tate. Uh, I'm talking about Jesus freaks, folks. And that is what Josh Wheaton is wondering right now. Right. Instead of writing on that piece of paper, God is dead. He's he's worried. He's thinking, what will people think right. when they when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak, <laughs> what will people do when they find, when they out, find it's out it's true? <laughs> and you know what? I, I just want to get ahead of the rest of this movie and say, I don't really care if they label me a Jesus freak. <laughs> well, that's because, true. There ain't no disguise you know in the truth. You know why? No, yeah, it, that's, it's, that's exactly it, Josh. Yeah, you, yeah. You've hit the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, is any of this legible to you? <laughs> no. I'm enjoying it, though. This is yeah. a wonderful performance by the both uh, of you. Yeah. This, this is, is better ex- acting than anything in the actual movie. <laughs> I think it would be fun to take like copies of like Jesus Freaks 2 or whatever and then like inserting little pages at the end that was like here's another Jesus Freak mm. Joseph Smith they threw him <laughs> out oh, no, 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 no 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 please god my people have suffered enough but yes uh, if if that last bit was at all confusing to you go on Spotify and look up the song Jesus Freak by DC Talk and have yes, a really and bad their time. devotional book series oh, which god. we read aloud in 6th grade you with, did? My, oh, with my god. teacher oh. every day every morning we had our morning devotionals and he decided to to tell us all about the martyrs. Incredible. Uh, So at this point, Josh has been fully chastised by Kevin Sorbo's professor. Mm. What's more, the class has been given an additional piece of homework. They have to read Bertrand Russell along top of the other readings just as more punishment. It's so funny because like that fucking... Adventures in Odyssey episode came out in 1994. I know. This comes out exactly 20, 20 years, years later, later. And they're yeah. still fucking harping on Bertrand Russell, which most people have never fucking heard of in their life because he's just some fucking limey with a with a newspaper column. And they'll be doing it another 20 years, too. But Josh, <laughs> at this point, is in the dining hall uh, with his bitch girlfriend. Yeah. Whore. Who basically is wearing sort of circa 07, 08 business casual, yeah. even though it's like six, seven years later. And she encourages him to just drop the class because it's not worth this fight. I don't know. I just keep thinking of that C.S. Lewis line. Yes. Only a real risk. <laughs> Test the reality of belief. So you're going to risk our future over your yearbook quote? Josh, why am I here? <laughs> I don't Hello. know. 
Earth to Josh, why am I salutatorian of our graduating class here at my third choice school? Oh, that Sorry exposition for the years of our from life. the top that's row. Just who I am. I don't care. It's just... Josh, I love you, but I absolutely forbid you to go up against this professor in his own classroom. We have too much at stake. The whole thing's rigged to make you look like an idiot. If you want to get into law school, you can't afford to flunk this class. Even a C could be disastrous. This is what feminism does. One taking yeah. your golden, by the way. I just wanted yeah, to throw yeah. that out there. Women be forbidding, man. Women be forbidding. This girl has just appeared. Yep. We've never seen Josh interact with her before this point. She talks only to him, no one else, and right. then disappears again. <laughs> right. So so your theory is that she is a figment of his imagination. So she says that they've been dating for six years. Right. Right. He is a freshman. She is a freshman at her third choice school, even though she's the salutatorian of their... I assume underperforming Louisiana school district. <laughs> uh, and she is not submitting. She is she is telling right. him that if he gets one C, even though they're in the first week of class and he could drop it and change classes still, he, he'll never make it into law school. He'll right. never become a good, godly Christian lawyer. And, and here they are in the dining hall. And oh, yeah, the the Muslim girl who, who took off her burqa. That's also a hijab. That's also a niqab. That's just a scarf. <laughs> Um, she's working there with her with her nude face and everything. <laughs> her face is fully nude, fully <laughs> nude. And she she overhears this conversation that Josh is having with himself to nobody else. And she's she I, I, I think the idea maybe is that she's supposed to be Job's wife, not the Muslim girl, but the girlfriend. She's like, just curse God and oh, die. Sure, sure. With all your suffering. Interesting. You, I have I have a five year plan and he's supposed to be have been dating this girl for six years. They've been dating since they were 12 years, years old. old. <laughs> and they built the rope bridge to Terabithia and she fell off oh, the rope bridge. Rip. I rip think, to a yeah, real one. I think my favorite thing is, though, is that like famously uh, you cannot get into law school if you fail an intro to philosophy class. That's true. Yeah. No, yeah, no they really look at your core you, credits. Especially, right. yeah. especially at LSU. I'm kind of starting to buy in a little bit more into Brian's theory that she is just okay. kind of a figment of her imagination, of his imagination. And there's nothing that conservatives love doing more than getting mad at fake scenarios. Right. Yeah. So right. this tracks. We're already so many scenarios in too. Like, yeah. like we, we're already in the Marine Todd email forward where the like <laughs> atheist Jewish professor keeps dropping the chalk on the ground and says, if God's real, the chalk won't break. Right. And they've turned that into a movie and they're like, well, we need to fill more space and just find more little like pastor sermons little sermon stories that we haven't quite put in here. And we get another uh, fantastic scenario right after this because we go from campus to in front of a church. And yeah. uh, now we are finally getting the payoff for the story of Amy Ryan, the uh, godless mm. Jezebel vlogger, I guess, who is here to do her ambush interview with the Duck Dynasty guy. Amy Ryan, I vlog the new left. Can I ask you a few questions? <laughs> I love yeah, vlogging sure. the new left. Same. My wife, Corey. Hi. I know. I'm actually surprised to see you here. I thought you'd be home barefoot and pregnant. <laughs> I've been barefoot and pregnant in a really long Old. time. I did kind of miss those days, huh? Yeah. You want to start again? We can try. <laughs> no. He's he's also Willie Willie Duckman's about to plow his wife inside the, the church. It's wild. <laughs> he like, is going to fuck her, and he says that much right there on screen. It's insane. Like the, the, I don't know why this part is the way that it is. I don't know if this was semi improvised or something, but he like looks her up and down and is like, 
hey, I could, uh, I, could I could get you pregnant again. How about that? And she's like, no. How about, how about I shoot some loads into you, sweetie? Uh, Nobody like, wants your shitty dick, darling. <laughs> it's shaped like a corkscrew. Uh, so have you, have you ever watched Duck Dynasty, Josh or Greg? I have not. Have you? I've Greg? watched a couple of episodes. Okay. Uh, yeah, like. I feel like this is their persona is that he's always wanting to fuck his wife. He's like Gomez Adams, right? He's the Gomez Adams of the Duck Dynasty family. More like Dick Dynasty. It is more like that. Did did you, yeah, given that you have experience with watching Duck Dynasty, Greg, how did this appearance sort of square with their public persona? What did you notice about this scene? Yeah, he was just playing himself. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it wasn't anything different. I do think it's funny that this scene kind of gave me a little bit of a chuckle because, again, a lot of uh, conservatism is just projection, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's this, you know, this harlot vlogger who's doing this sabotage interview to try to destroy this man's character, which is like exactly what like the Steven Crowders of the world do all the time. And I like you can go like especially like the Dylan Mulvaney situation where like how many times were like uh, right wing just conservative YouTube freaks doing that exact same thing to her and like mm-hmm. there are there are so many like that's just a single anecdotal kind of thing but that happens all the time and I thought that was yeah. very funny I think I didn't realize this until you were sort of lining it up here Josh this woman just has her own personal blog does she not work for somebody it would seem that her vlog blog dog with a blog it's certainly not a vlog she never uses a camera at any point and she types things out there I, is no vlog is this like harlot perez hilton or something like that i think yeah. so i think so because i think the new left is her is her blog slut.com um but let, let's go ahead and hear what sort of her line of questioning sounds like because this yeah. is fucking this is her doing Full on, she's James hard, O'Keefing it, right? This is her yeah. Project Veritas moment. You've made a fortune selling devices that are designed to lure waterfowl to their deaths. Uh, I guess when you say you, you're referring to the whole group of my family, which would be y'all. You can just change it to y'all, that'd be an easier expression. That way it'll get everybody in there. So, y'all have made a fortune, isn't that right? We're doing all right. We can certainly buy bigger tires on our trucks and four-wheelers to get out in the mud with, so Let's go. life is good. What makes you think you have the moral right to go around maiming and killing innocent animals? Hey, look, let's just get one thing straight. I ain't maiming nothing. Whatever I see and I aim at, I shoot. When I shoot it, I kill it, and then I eat it. So you do kill those ducks? Of course I do. What are we going to do, cook them while they're still moving around? She got him on tape admitting that he kills ducks. There is not a single liberal in the world who's like, how dare you kill ducks? That's not a thing. She's doing a gotcha journalism on a guy who hunts on TV being like, so you hunt. Huh? Also, isn't isn't duck considered like a very elitist food? Right. Like, right. Yeah. You would think that it would be like, oh, yeah, these these uppity snooty liberals are at their their elite restaurants eating their duck and pointing their fingers at all of us. Duck is the kind of thing that gets served to you by a French faggot in the Upper East Side. Like. <laughs> but I'm also very interested here in like the odd discursion on, so you say that you got some money and he's like, yeah, we can use it to get more tires for our trucks and go go mudding. <laughs> and our four-wheelers. And, uh, you know, Greg, you, you live in a place that has a lot of people who are of means who 
demonstratively yeah. like to act as if they are uh, just normal folks, right? That yeah. That is uh, the Utah way, absolutely. <laughs> it is also funny to me that like the sign of wealth for a conservative is like measured by the height of their their tires mm-hmm. yeah like bigger tires means more wealth i guess like i don't know it's a, that's a very strange status symbol to me but it does uh it does clear or it does check out you get a lot of big truck guys here in utah and right. it's like it, but it is like it's a very weird manifestation of wealth and like masculinity i like that that is also his example of what a good life is yes yes yes, yes. he's supposed to be a christian Right. And there are values about like having your family and plowing your wife and whatever else. <laughs> but everything is just about, well, I, I have a lot of cool stuff now. Yes. I got lots of big tires and I got I got my four wheelers and and I can t- I can take those out and, and run over every trail and right. uh, and run down hikers and, and kill them and bury them in my yeah. basement. It's like the redneck <laughs> version of prosperity doctrine. Yeah, because these aren't the gauche status symbols that are associated with the liberal elite. Right. We're not right. 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 Like the French restaurant that she's going to go eat at tonight. That literally has gauche in the name. (laughs) Yes, Yes, exactly. It's wild, right? It's like the, the, the way that they frame up this culture war bullshit is. It's not actually about wealth. It's about the way, the ways that wealth is indicated and displayed. Yes. That there's it's about an okay which way products to do it. you buy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because that's ultimately what it is, right? It all just like manifests into consumerism. Yes. And it's, yes. yeah, like it's just like this is, you know, if I'm going to get on my soapbox and be a fucking annoying lefty, like this is late stage capitalism, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the left, the left has their version of their consumerism and then the mm-hmm. right has, you know, they've got their, their gay foie gras and then the right, right. has their big <laughs> tires. But right. it, eventually yeah. it's all just consumerism and like you build your entire identity up like around what you buy. Right. And Duck Dynasty itself is a consumer brand. 100%, the whole reason yes. that this guy is fucking appearing in this movie is so that people, when they see the movie, are going to associate positive sentiment with the Duck Dynasty brand yeah. and go out and buy their shit. Yes. It's a, it's a persona. I mean, like, th- this is one of the things that people used to talk about all the time was like, if you see pictures of them from the 90s, they, they don't have beards. Right. Like the beards and the can they're all like living in mansions I- exactly the way that you would expect people with that much money to look. They're dressing in like white suits, clean shaven. They look like they, the righteous gemstones. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then when they see, I don't know, the success of Pawn Stars or whatever, right. they start to think, how can we build our, our brand as a family? Mm-hmm to get our own TV show on the fucking like outdoor life network or wherever Mm -hmm. it was airing. So they grow out these big shaggy beards and they wear headbands and camo and they're like, Oh yeah, we're just, they, they make their accent stronger and they're just like, yeah, this is just who we are. This is totally us. This is fully authentic. And they buy their big tires so they can do car pranks. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the only scene, by the way, that Willie, what's his name? I was going to say Willie Nelson. What the fuck is this guy's Willie name? Willie Duckfuck. Willie Duckfuck. Yeah. This is the only <laughs> scene that Willie Duckfuck actually appears in. Where yeah, he's you like, can tell when he records the message at the end of the movie that he's just inside the same church that we just saw the exterior of. I just came in my wife. <laughs> but it's one of the most weirdly, I think, instructive scenes in the movie as far as like how people engage with the culture war, uh-huh. with branding, 
with uh, consumerism and all that, because we're, we're about to go back into the slop now. We're going to we're going to yeah. get some more plot. We're back on campus. Uh, once again, it's LSU. You can see a bus that says the LSU logo on it. <laughs> there yes. are people wearing LSU 2013 orientation T-shirts Hell who yeah. are walking Hell around yeah. in the B-roll. It's amazing. I, I love that this lecture hall has like fucking like church plants in it. You know, those little trees that are in baskets because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's what lecture halls look like. Oh, yeah. We've got, you know, this fantastic moment where the girl from before who's wearing her uh, scarf uh, puts it back on because yeah. she has to go to her dad's car. There's a white woman who tells her that she wishes that she didn't have to do that because she's, she's beautiful. so beautiful. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's it's always good to walk up to to random women and tell them, you know, you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't cover up so much. You should smile more. Yep. Things of that nature. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. That's what God would want you to do. And dad, of course, reminds her that, uh, you know, she should be doing all of this. At no point do the filmmakers seem to be aware of the irony here of what they are yeah. doing. Right. Because he is, you know, he's a fundamentalist as a Muslim, as they all are in the universe that these people occupy. And so he says, look at that campus. Look at all those people none of them believe in god which according to the movie is correct yes <laughs> but he's scary and brown and has has a crooked nose yep so we know that he's supposed to be a bad yeah, guy it's 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 your standard like 24 villain kind of performance he looks That's like, like what i wrote down he yeah. looks like a, like one of the first henchmen to die in like a liam neeson movie and uh and this this story is about to get so much worse with him <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Because, again, only one form of religious fundamentalism is OK. And yeah. uh, that no form- one prepared me for this. No one prepared me like when I because God's not dead. It had already made the rounds for a while before mm. I saw it. And it was like, you know, everyone knew it was the, the atheist philosophy professor, et cetera. I just had no idea that they were going to have not just one, but two racist plots. Yes. Well, really, three. Once <laughs> we also look at David A.R. White, mm-hmm. the pastor and. His African friend. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. The guy, so, the, the simple African man who reminds us all that that God is to be found even in our troubles, you know, which only he can know because he has an uncluttered African mind. He's very he's very simple, but also very wise. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I, I deliberately hmm. did not pull any clips of these interactions <laughs> because they are very boring, honestly. Yes. But whatever you're imagining, you're correct. Yeah, um, it's it, it really is that bad. David the, A.R. This White, exact same character. There's a there's a black friend in Fireproof who's mm, not African, but he he's plays the exact same role, except they give him some jokes, too. So David A.R. White, the pastor, uh, is the core guy of this franchise. He's still rocking the 1998 youth pastor haircut, you even know though it. he is 70 yes. years old. And he is at his church and Josh comes in, our protagonist. Yeah. And uh, Josh gets a couple quotes to read. It can't be that simple. Sure I can. <laughs> You're here because that still small voice inside you isn't happy with the choices everyone else wants you to make. Personally, I think it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. It's how he interacts with us if we allow him to. All you have to do is decide whether or not you're willing to listen. It's not easy, but it's simple. Because that's all that evangelicalism has, right? If this was a Catholic priest, if this was a rabbi, if this was an imam, I would assume, there would be like a discussion here. Mm -hmm. Here's Mm -hmm. what you can do. Here's some things to think about. But because it's an evangelical, it's just like, here's two verses to read. Just read the verses. That should be good enough, right? Yeah, it should. 
And uh, indeed for him, it is. <laughs> Josh goes and reads the verses and yeah, that's and, it. And, and did you notice, Josh, what translation he was reading? I actually didn't. So these verses, I was like, this is a little, I was like, what is this? Is this Holman? So I looked it up. He is reading the ESV translation. So the ESV is the English Standard Version, which is published by Good News Publications. I think uh, they're now called New Crossing, but I think they still use Good News as, again, part of their brand, like Pure More like Bad News. Yeah. There we go. So ESV was designed to be, uh, apparently, even though we have the, the, the New American Standard, um, supposed to be like the most literal translation. Okay. And they released this in 2000. Uh, Good News Publishing publishes a shit ton of these Christian authors. They publish Frank Peretti, okay. for instance. They do a lot of the fiction stuff. They are based out of Wheaton. Wheaton, Illinois? Wheaton, Illinois. Oh, there we oh, go. Yeah. I assume yes. Josh Wheaton is named. Why this is? Why they decide to use this translation, I have no I idea. I just want to just really quickly on the record say that my Josh Wheaton uh, sex past congressman theory mm-hmm. completely vindicated. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Also want to point out that the slut journalist has cancer now. Yes. Oh, yeah. She got you diagnosed with God. cancer. Her response to that was, I don't have time for cancer. You're right. I'm too busy. Right. She's got <laughs> a million again, views to hit. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and her doctor is like, yes, I know that you as a liberal atheist slut bitch journalist are the most important person in America. Mm-hmm. You have the biggest reach as a gotcha vegan uh, pro duck vlogger for the millennials but (laughs) the cancer won't stop either way right another person who won't stop is of course our hero josh wheaton uh he is continuing to prep his arg uh Mm -hmm. now he also meets up with his potentially imaginary girlfriend again (laughs) who gives who gives him the exact same speech again yeah. Uh, about how, like, you know, you you can't do this. Our future matters too much. She storms off in a huff. Yeah. There's uh, a great shot at the end of this exchange when she's saying, Josh, this is serious. Uh, <laughs> where if our listeners are watching this movie, which don't. Don't. don't do um, it. Please <laughs> go to minute 32, about 30 seconds in, because the framing of this shot is so bad. <laughs> their faces are all the way at the bottom of the screen. Yes. It's like that episode of Dark Place with the guest star. It is. Who's always, always at the given like five feet of headroom. Yep. Um, it's it's amazing, and I, I I adore. I I wish there was more of this. Pastor Dave, meanwhile, has this interminable subplot involving a rental car. They're supposed to go to Disney World. They're supposed to go to Disney World. Why is he a character in this movie? Why? Yeah. Why? Be- because well, the African man has never ridden a roller coaster. Um, he he just learned who Mickey Mouse was yesterday. Right. And he was like, yes, I'm, I want to go to this magical place uh, because Christians aren't mad at Disneyland at this this yes. brief shining right. moment. They they got over the, the, the gay benefits thing from 2003 and it hasn't gone woke yet. So so they're not mad at it at this specific this pre-glimmer right. time. Right. Yeah. Which is interesting, isn't it? That like, yeah, yes. that you watch this now and you're like, wait. No, they would not calibrate it in this oh, way. They, they would, would not, not be going to Disney. They'd be no. going to I don't know Bush Gardens. I, like, right. yeah, I don't know. I, I don't no, know. No, because Anheuser Busch is woke too. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the based theme park is anymore, other than like the Ark experience. <laughs> so this plot is basically his car won't start, so right. they rent a car. The rental car doesn't start, so they get another car that also doesn't start. Also, the car rental guy 
is in a production of Death of a Salesman, which is the one play these writers have ever heard of. (laughs) There's this whole back and forth with the rental car guy where like David A.R. White is like gonna he wants to be a Karen to him. But his wise friend is like, no, let him be. And also maybe this is just God's will because God is good all the time horrible it's Um, funny one of the i feel like one of the leading pastor stories is the pastor being like there was this point where i was being a huge fucking karen and then the spirit had to speak to me right and it's like you were like they're talking the first half of the story like it's supposed to be relatable and it's like i've never behaved like this in a store no (laughs) most like i didn't need the spirit to tell me to stop shouting at like an 18 year old who's just stocking clothes we're not gonna jump back into that rental no that's 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 the whole plot yeah it it, it comes back a few more times throughout don't worry about it same each time and each time the African guy has to say this little slogan right God is good all the time and then they say it all together and all the time God is good horrible <laughs> just horrible Such dog Josh shit. Josh steps up in class to give part one of his arg which is basically scientific descriptions of the origins of the universe resemble the Genesis 1 account therefore God is real but in his book the God delusion Richard Dawkins says that if you tell me God created the universe then I have the right to ask you who created God Dawkins question only makes sense in terms of of a God who has been created, it doesn't make sense in terms of an uncreated God, which is the kind of God that Christians believe in. And even leaving God out of the equation, I then have a right to turn Mr. Dawkins' own question back around on him and ask, if the universe created you, but who created the universe? That's that's begging the question. That is textbook begging the question. You are assuming a supposition within oh, the no. context of your arg. You are saying... Oh, no, we've given Josh a logical fallacy. <laughs> he smells you, blood. You are saying God exists because the world was created, mm-hmm. but that you don't have to assume that. You don't have to assume that there was a deity who created the world. Yeah, I feel like I feel like his rebuttal to this should just be, well, Dawkins believes in an uncreated universe in a way that is parallel to the way that Christians believe in an uncreated God, Right. Like, at some point, you still have to imagine something that has not been created. Right. To me, this was the absolute funniest part of the movie. If we're just, like, oh, really? and like, like pointing fingers. First of all, like, these are 18-year-old kids, and they're sitting there, like, having <laughs> detailed discussions about Richard fucking Dawkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you Like, as, as a former 18-year-old who went to a, a shitty state college, like, mm-hmm. None of us knew who Richard Dawkins were. We were just trying to fuck. That's what you do in school. Come on. Like every single one of us were so horned up and cum brain that there was nothing else that really fucking mattered. Like we're not having discussions about Richard Dawkins. Second of all, if Josh Wheaton's sex pest is (laughs) like you telling me that this guy who's this good of a debater and like has this kind of like mind palace is going to a third rate state school like i want to know who this kid's parents are because they failed him Mm -hmm. it just it makes it makes no sense you have this like prodigious religious debater who's at like some bullshit third-rate school well also yeah like why why would a kid like this not go to like hillsdale or something like that right like that's clearly where he wants to be go to liberty that's actually an endorsement from greg for everyone even those (laughs) listening to this podcast go to liberty university yeah you will get an educational experience unlike any other unrivaled in so many ways but also to your point of like you know college kids being horned up one thing that this movie is clearly signaling through its costuming choices to the extent that it can make them is that Mm. his girlfriend is a slut 
Yes. Like yeah. she is wearing these relatively low cut tops. She is really throwing herself at him, but he is. He's chased. Yes. Yeah. He, the, he is keeping the pussy out of mind because his thoughts are on <laughs> higher things, namely the Lord. Yeah. Um, the Lord's pussy. That's right. I mean, if we're, uh, if we're going to to Mormonism, you know, the 13th article of faith is honest, true, chaste, benevolent, virtuous, of good report or praiseworthy. Mm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love. So is he behaving in I a way these that articles. is truly Mormon? There, There's some real Mormon parallels to his behavior. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. got he's got big time promo energy. This is obviously intended to be. Josh Wheaton, the avatar of all things that are good and true, which is probably why they named him yes. after a preeminent uh, liberal arts Christian college. <laughs> yes. What about the sort of Mormon behavior do you see here and how do those things fall in parallel? With I, I, you know, I go back to what we talked about in our Saturday's Warrior episodes that like I'm coming <laughs> <laughs> when you are when you like Mormonism is not just a religion. It is an identity. It is right. who <laughs> you are and you are a manifestation of the church. You are a manifestation of God. There Therefore, your behavior, the way that you act, dress, eat, every single thing is a representation and a manifestation of God. And it's your responsibility to hold up to those those principles and those rules, basically. And so you are on the straight and narrow all the time. Anything else is sin or temptation. Literally every single thing you do, you consume, the air you breathe is that identity. And I see that character as having that same kind of Mormon energy, like the way that I was taught that like, this is how you conduct yourself at all times and you are to repel evil. Yeah. In including the wily temptations of his yes. girlfriend, I think. hundred yeah. percent, yeah. Well, and, yeah. And the filmmakers have, have snuggled up to the Mormons quite a bit. Uh, I know the their little abortion movie that they released a couple years ago has Glenn Beck in it as himself. It, 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 there's a very interesting sort of it would be an uncomfortable relationship. They just try not to put too many words to it, because, again, I, I think we talked about this also in the Saturday's Warrior episode, like growing up in the 90s, the Mormons were seen as like such a threat. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you like it was it was a it was a dark place to go down. If, if you pursued my, Mormonism, if you my dad opened yourself warned to me that. about the Book of Mormon. Like, yeah, you were never allowed to stay in a Marriott hotel. <laughs> the other piece, along with, you know, Josh repelling his girlfriend who breaks up with him, by the way, for continuing to do this, yes. is yes. that Sorbo is growing increasingly aggro toward Josh about his approach. Do you think you're smarter than me? Wheaton? He assaults him in the hallway. Yeah. He puts his hands on him. I never said I was smarter. That's the first intelligent thing you've said. <laughs> I want to make this clear in that classroom. There is a God, and yet I'm him. Yes. I'm also a jealous God, so do not try to humiliate me in front of my students. You told him to do the speech! You know, I also checked up on your declared major, what, pre-law? <laughs> what exactly is pre-law? We don't award what? degrees in that. Don't bother answering. <laughs> but know this. If you truly feel a need to continue with this charade, I will make it my personal mission to destroy any hope of a law degree in your future. Have a nice day.
He's right, though. Pre-law is fucking fake. <laughs> Kevin Sorbo is based in this moment. <laughs> if you want to pay down that debt, you have to go into big law and then you yep. become a husk of yourself within two years. Um, yep. But, you know, we, we we can talk about this in another episode. Yes. Maybe. You could just go and do a four or five year program where you study theater and become mm. a husk of yourself yes. before you graduate. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> or you could, you could get a journalism degree. That, 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 was, that did good things. You could be just like that slut who vlogs the Duck Brothers. I, I mean, I got the tits for it. Let's go. <laughs> Greg's going to vlog the new left. Hassan, watch her back. The Muslim girl gets back home. She goes into her bedroom and starts listening to Franklin Graham on her Franklin iPod. Because these people, their only conception of Christianity, of ideas in general, is celebrities. Right. Right. She's right. not yes. listening to someone who is explaining actual like Christian apologetics or even someone who is a good pastor. Right. She can't even listen to Billy Graham. She has to listen to fucking Franklin Graham, well, who fucking just stumbled his way into it by by an accident of birth. Much like Jerry Falwell Jr. at Liberty University. <laughs> much yes. like his other peer, uh, Richard Roberts, son of Oral Roberts. Roberts, sure. Both of whom tanked their their various universities. But it's about the signposting here, right? Like Franklin Graham is not a reference that's going to be legible to anybody who's outside of the evangelical world or for somebody sure. who closely follows the politics of this world. Right. Like, yeah. But for the people watching this movie, they're going to see Franklin Graham and they're going to see the literally just the words Franklin Graham. They don't have to hear a word of what nope. she's listening to or in her iPod. And they'll be like, oh, I see what's going on. And that's the point. So she's listening to, to Franklin Graham on her iPod. A little anachronistic even for 2014. Absolutely. Like at this point, you'd probably have an iPod touch. And her weird little nonverbal pervert brother <laughs> who is currently playing a video game on the like e-reader from It Follows yes. has decided I'm going to walk into her room and stare at her iPod for a moment well, while stare. she lies on her bed. Stare. So she is. This is stare at her. <laughs> this is a wild scene because she is lying on her back, listening to her iPod on the bed with her eyes closed. Her pervert brother just kind of like stares at her. Um, <laughs> it is so sexual. Like it, it, it's it, really it's gross. Bizarre. It's yeah. It's such a like that. Yeah, the, the the feel of just like this deep sexual threat. Yes, uh, is the only time they've managed to capture any kind of mood in this movie. It is it is unexpectedly like in a different movie. <laughs> this would be a wild encapsulation of a certain type of illicit desire, but that's not what they were going for. It just happened no. unintentionally. Like, is this is the undertone here supposed to be that like Muslims are perverts? I yeah, I don't think that's deliberate. I think they maybe had this kid and he was somehow a worse actor than even everyone else in the movie. <laughs> and so they took his lines away and didn't quite know how to shoot around the weird way he was doing his blocking. Uh, yeah, uh, just, <laughs> yeah, don't say anything, look pervy, and go play your video game on the speak and mm -hmm. spell. Anyway, all they need to do is just have a moment where he catches her listening to Franklin Graham, who right. he knows who that is, uh, so that he can tattle right. on her, even though he is nonverbal. Right. Uh, to Again, her father. The, so the, the little pervert brother snatches the iPod away from her and, and, and she like looks at him and is like, no, don't don't tell don't tell dad. Um, he's going to tell dad. Uh, spoiler he's, alert he's for tell dad. the yeah. rest of this movie. So Amy, 
we'll remember she vlogs the new left. <laughs> she, <laughs> she has, has cancer. cancer. Big old slut. She goes to dinner with Dean Kane and uh, tells him what's going on. And we get this incredible interaction. <laughs> I have cancer. This couldn't wait until tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just the perfect stereotype. And like what we were talking about earlier, that anybody who is not like this tried and true Christian is just like the most miserable, just awful piece just of a shit. Goddamn yeah. sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it really is like this movie is zero to a hundred and that is mm -hmm. it. There is, yeah. there is no spectrum whatsoever. It's either all in or all out. I also like the whole like, oh, yeah, this is a big Wall Street guy or whatever in Louisiana because he just starts the dinner with I've been named partner. <laughs> <laughs> just the most fucking like 101 ass dialogue you could imagine just being like, oh, we need to establish that this is a person. He's been named partner just right. now. Well, he's he's the he's the only one who's tracking the movements of the Japanese stock market at 1 a.m. Tokyo <laughs> <Yes>. time. That's <laughs> how he got named partner. He only sees relationships in a transactional light. You yeah, know, right. he talks about how, oh, you know, you were my hot, young, upwardly mobile girlfriend. And I was the cool guy who was also up like they can only see these things in sort of financialized terms. Yeah. Uh, rather than, of course, in a, a true loving Christian relationship where things like morals, principles and uh, actual love come into play. You cannot yeah. have those things outside of the context of a Christian relationship. I don't know. I think Dean Cain should plow cancer girl in a church that would solve all of their problems. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we find our we find ourselves back at the library. Josh Wheaton uh, is taking a break from, you know, uh, directing the Avengers and uh, yelling at women to <laughs> continue research. Also, his it's funny. I, I, sh I should mention his presentations have all these like animations in them. Yeah, it's a very high quality team. slide yeah. deck that he's put together. Like, like he's he's done some good work in Blender here for an 18 year old kid just out of high school. He should change his majors Agreed. and get into like graphic design and animation. But um, Chinese Martin shows up and uh, because of his broken Chinese English, he calls him Mr. Josh. I deliberate again. I deliberately <laughs> did not clip this stuff because it's no, just it's, it's really horrifying. It's really. First of all, it's really boring, but it's yeah. also really racist. It's like both yes. of those things at the same time. And we, we really need that one dude uh, from the uh, Every Young Man's Battle video. We need <laughs> that guy who comes around. He's like, oh, we're going to a party later. Oh. And I'm going to have brewskis, bro. I'm talking drinks, man. And then <laughs> then there's going to be girls and they're going to be bringing their chests with them. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And they're going to be drinking brewskis, bro. Yeah. So tight. So tight. And I'm not talking about the party. You know what I mean? And then he just sort of walks backwards yeah, out the yeah, library. Yeah. That would bring this movie to life. I agree. Martin, being Chinese, of course, doesn't understand what freedom is. He doesn't know what a god is because right. everyone in China is an atheist. Right. He only understands uh, Maoist third worldist thought. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. He's like, so I, you know, I've read the, the little red book so many times and and there's never any mention of God. Right. But of course, 
He's getting calls from his dad, who's older, and he's like maybe some kind of elite. He's always so he, in a car, his dad. Yeah, he he got to the secret conversation where they go into the, like the inner parts of the Chinese tabernacle, and they're like, by the way, there's a God, and we hate him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you let your son believe in God, that's going to ruin our chances of your other sons moving to America so we can do the Great Replacement. Right. His feet and levels are high enough now. Um, <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) That the truth can be revealed. And so, uh, you know, Martin then is he he is now at war with himself, right? Because he can either go along with Mr. Josh and and believe in Christianity (sighs) or he can hold to his family traditions of uh, state sanctioned anti-Christianity and help his dad out. But his dad is being monitored by the secret police every time Martin phones home. And so yeah. his dad is even like, no, don't even say that. You don't know who's listening. It, this is fucking dog shit. This is so yeah. bad. <laughs> it's it's so it's so like Falun Dafa, but not any of the fun parts. Right. But it's I, like you can tell that like all that they understand about China, these screenwriters is from what they've read from the Epic Times. Absolutely. I wanted at least a reference to like, I don't know, Yahoo or organ trafficking or something fun yeah. like that. But yes. No dice. This entire any depiction of a minority in this movie is a fucking caricature. Just yeah. an absolute stereotype. Like, I'm surprised we don't have, like, a Jewish professor who just, like, you know, rubs right. his hands right. for 90 yeah. minutes. No, genuinely, though. Not only is it racist, it's ham-fisted racism. It's the racism of not only am I ignorant, I'm not even going to try to engage here. No, I'm not even going not to try to figure out what the truth is. My truth right. is the only truth that is real, and that means that I don't need to try to figure out what else is going on. I already know everything, right? Which yeah. is also the which is also the motto of this podcast to be fair. But um <laughs> It's like it's like somebody trying to do an ironic racism uh, deliberately. Yeah, this movie is just a series of come town bits. Yes, it really is. But it's taken seriously. (laughs) Yeah. So we're we're back to grandma girl or I guess it's not her grandma. It's her mom. But the the daughter of the Alzheimer lady. Yeah. Remember. Uh, Remember how we talked about earlier? There's a woman who's looking on her mom who has dementia. Yes. You no, you probably don't remember no, that actually. No. But this is a character who exists. Yes. So we're here in her kitchen. She has a fucking weird sink. She has the worst <laughs> sink I've ever seen. It like it is it is deep and it's also like it starts low. So like you have to bend down to use it. It is a horrible sink. Like Awful if you sink. didn't notice, go back to that scene and look at that sink. It gave me a nightmare. Well, the whole kitchen, the whole kitchen is a disaster here. Fucked and kitchen. I walked kitchen. I, I'm like, where the hell did they find this house? This is such a like th- there are some locations that make sense, like, you know, the campus of LSU. You use that yeah. for college. That's sensible. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck did they find this house? This feels like one of those weird places that would have been built in like Southern California in the 90s when they were trying to make everything like sort of pseudo Tuscan. Yes. So uh, yeah. I don't know. It, it's yeah. like it or like uh, one of those Boca Raton houses that like uh, Addison Meisner designed in like the 30s. It, it, it's so strange. And I, I I can't get the sink out of my head, which is the only reason I brought this character back up. But it turns out she's Dean Cain's sister yes. in this movie. And also she is fucking Kevin Sorbo. Correct. Yeah. So this is uh, because this is Magnolia now. Yes. <laughs> yes. This, this character is named Mina. We, we actually 
only learn her name at this point. We haven't heard it earlier. <laughs> and again, she is she's she's tall. She's younger. She's a brunette. She's she's quite elegant looking. And ultimately, her character exists because Kevin Sorbo, I guess, picked her up when she was a student of his, which I did not catch on previous viewings of this movie. Yeah, somehow, I, I, Well, I had forgotten about it at the very least. I, I did. I, I, there's so many things to keep track of. This one definitely was not in my mind when I watched this again. I was like, what the fuck? I think How does this Kevin is- Sorbo have a job. Yes. Right. The most un- yes. He's like if bad lieutenant was a professor. <laughs> he, it is. It is basically implied by this dialogue that in her freshman year of college, he saw her and was like, yep, that one. And by the point, and this is made explicit in the text, by the point of the midterms, they were already fucking. This is insane. Mm -hmm. What is this, a Christian college? A. A. (laughs) You can enroll at Liberty University at liberty.edu. It's just like, I don't, I don't, what do we, what am I supposed to do with this information? Because this is the first time that I've watched this movie not severely under the influence of some sort of substance. <laughs> and so, I don't know. They they really want to just play up the fact that Kevin Sorbo is an absolute monster, right? right. He, is, yes. he, is, he is Captain Me Too over here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the way he treats this woman is like, is cartoonish. Oh, it's yes. abominable. It is like such absolute shit. And it, it, it jibes so poorly with the rest of the movie. Even, even the subplot with the Muslim family, uh, they're, they were really trying to like flex their, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf mm-hmm. muscles. Yeah, no, there's a real like Edward Albee energy going on when Kevin Sorbo brings his fellow professors in to have intellectual conversation. Cause yeah, uh, the liberal like, dinner party. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It is the most stereotypical bullshit you've like. That this is every Fox News segment. Yes, manifested I'm, in this dog shit scene. I'm so glad that this jumped out at you, Greg. Like, like we were talking yeah. about, we were tweeting. This is when I legitimately had the guttural reaction. <laughs> okay, okay. Like I remember why. Like, like phone is down again, and I pause the movie, and just like sigh. And under my breath, I say, what the fuck? Because, again, this is the genesis of all the culture war shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This it's is like, all this. They this really is, think this. They think this is how college campuses yes, work. Yeah. 100%. And again, it's amazing that we're doing this right after we did this Adventures in Odyssey episode where Eugene hangs out with the, the gay intellectuals in Colorado. And all of them are like, I like Bertrand Russell. I agree. Next topic. Let's watch this Icelandic movie we watched last week. Right. That is what this liberal dinner party is. Also because they weren't going to pay other people to do SAG scale to say any lines. And they were probably right. getting extras for like $25 a day. Right. No one talks at these liberal yeah, they, parties. They, there's like two. There's two people who actually have a line. And I did yeah. pull the clip here because because at this point, the dinner party has been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mina, she had bought a bottle of wine. Uh, which was passed around for all of these uh, affet liberal professors to drink. Cheers, everyone. What fucking music Nina, this, this wine is awful. It's been cooked. <laughs> it tastes like it was sunning in a moldy basement. Talk about your grapes of wrath. <laughs> Sensible shop. <laughs> I bought it before I went shopping the other day. I locked it in the trunk. 
And when I got home, I forgot about it. Well, I think this dinner serves as a uh, valuable lesson. As Socrates put it over 2,000 years ago, no tea, say it on. <laughs> Looks like it's Greek to her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's uh, know thyself, darling, know thyself, which I suggest means knowing your own limitations. <laughs> I love to reprimand <laughs> my significant other uh-huh. with Socrates. Same, same. Yeah. I, I love to be a colleague of this guy and just have him fucking dress down his girlfriend in front of everyone and be like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just sit there and chuckle. I like I, to be, yeah, I like to be in on the joke. I enjoy yeah. be participating in spousal abuse. I love to talk to my significant other after she has come home with a bottle of wine and then has let me know that she accidentally left it in the car and despite knowing this still serve the wine that I knew was sitting in a hot car rather than just going out and getting another bottle of wine in time for the dinner because I want to do premeditated humiliation on my yeah. significant other in an Edward Albee like fashion. Yeah, this this woman is living out like the story of O here with liberal college professors and this is not a big deal. There's no way this guy has just one bottle yeah. of wine in his house. Yeah. Come on. His house oh, no, is gorgeous. The bad bucket. Yeah, like crack open another bottle, crack it over your knee and <laughs> pour it. Out. Like it's not like she ruined the the meal, which she was also cooking because, you know, these atheists, they make women cook all their meals for mm. them. Uh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, Sor- Kevin Sorbo in this movie is also a return guy. Yeah. <laughs> But, it's, but actually, Brian, you, you say that as a joke, but it's a good point. Like, they constantly try to have it both ways, right? Yes. Yeah. Where they'll be yeah. like, they, they'll talk about, uh, they, they will point up gendered division of, of labor, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, he made his girlfriend go to the store and get the wine and cook the meal and all that. And that's bad. Yeah. But when we do it, it's good, actually. Well, and yes. I think this movie is 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 trying to to play to a little line of especially if you're playing to like the Duck Dynasty crowd. These are people who are a little bit more like women are doing stuff. They're also you yeah, know shopping, going yeah. out and hunting and and uh, driving four wheelers. Sometimes they like to get their hands dirty. They like to shoot guns. So you don't want to alienate those women who are going to be a big part of your audience. But you also want to subtly show if you give a woman too many inches, she's going to think she's a ruler in the form of Josh Wheaton's horrible girlfriend. Right. 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 And it's still not okay to be a slut. You maybe don't want to be too independent or be drinking alcohol. We're a little on the fence about that, right? Because this woman dating Sorbo is is a is a backsliding Christian. You know, right. she is a Christian. She firmly believes in God, but she's making some. She's the only Christian in this movie making some mistakes. But also, look at how bad it is in these other worlds. Look at how atheists actually treat their girlfriends right. or mistress. Right. He calls her a mistress for some reason. Uh, and look at how, you know, the Muslim family treats its girls. Right. Right. We're, we're not that way. So we've met a wide array of characters at this point with uh, a small army, small army with many strange, conflicting and confusing motivations. Um, and in the second half. Things are just going to get even more confusing. So <laughs> look forward to seeing you. This episode of podcast and or radio is brought to you by me, Jerry Habsburg, over at Jerry Habsburg's escape room and large scale red meat processing facility located in sunny Maspeth, Queens. 
I left the Habsburg family businesses about 13 years ago now because I knew if I stayed in the South, we had made an enemy of the spiders and they would come for us. I knew that the only outcomes for a war against the spiders was that either we would escape the spiders by running far away or we would become one with the spider hive mind. I ran far away to New York State because I heard that they were a leader in the asbestos industry. When I got to New York State, I found out that they were no longer leaders in the asbestos industry. And asbestos is largely frowned upon today. So I began to find other ways to make business. First as a petty theft, then as a fake cab driver who just painted a car yellow and ran people over and took their wallets. Eventually, I achieved the American dream where I had enough money to buy a large-scale red meat processing facility in sunny Maspeth, Queens. But I realized that that wouldn't be enough and I have decided now to capitalize on the burgeoning industry of immersive entertainments. The escape room is an exciting new phenomenon from the Orient that we have brought over here to New York City and I have brought over here to sunny Maspeth, Queens in my large-scale red meat processing facility. You see, we are running out of labor because no one wants to work anymore. But I found that if you sell this as an immersive experience, that yeah, that works for some reason. Have you found that you are bad at puzzles, but you still want to have puzzle solving fun with your girlfriend or your family or your extended polycule who you really only see two or three times a year because all of you are just too busy. You see, we do not have a timer at Jerry Habsburg's escape room and large-scale red meat processing facility. If it takes you more than an hour, we do not throw you out. If it takes you more than an hour and a half, we do not throw you out. If it takes you more than 17 hours, or perhaps days or weeks, we will not throw you out and indeed not allow you to leave. How else would it be an escape room if we just let you leave? Instead, you get to split your time between puzzles by solving the greatest mystery of life. How to properly pack red meat at industrial scale. This solves your problems and mine. The average playtime between players is uh, roughly three to seven weeks. Turnaround is pretty good as far as that goes. Plus, you get to pay to be here, which means that I always profit. Now back to your podcast episode and or radio. Well, I guess we're back, aren't we? Now we are. Aren't we? we so are. we're, we're, we're debating once more. Is God dead? Is God mm. dead? Because uh, apparently Josh Wheaton has not actually completed his assignment. He has to keep coming back and debating this. Yeah, he. Ha- I think the, the rule was like he had to do it for three subsequent 
classes. Why are these students even coming into class? Like th- this guy who hates God, who, who knows that God is dead, who wants to insist upon this so that he does not cover this for a unit because he's bored by it. Right. Has instead decided to spend weeks letting this this 18 year old talk about young earth creationism in front of everybody. <laughs> well, well, the students need to be there because they are the jury of his peers. Well, remember, of course, that originally Kevin Sorbo was going to be the one who decides, but he could not serve as a neutral arbiter on this due to the fact that he's also serving as essentially the prosecution. And so Mm -hmm. it is the class who needs to take these arguments in in order to determine whether or not God is, in fact, dead. Sure. But as someone who was once a student, Mm. I would not be going to these classes. I mean, same. (laughs) <laughs> did, did any of you ever have just a, a professor who was just fucking impossible i had i had like, an english professor i remember who would like he would ask us to participate in class and then every time that we would he would just like berate us mm. oh yeah and then like oh, by yeah, the i had a film of, professor like that yeah by the <laughs> end of the semester he was like legitimately wondering why like, nobody would answer his questions oh sure so i straight <laughs> up told him i was like because none of us want to be made fun of in front of the entire class dude that's what you've done the entire semester like this is why you're at a community college <laughs> i remember having one incompetent professor who could not I, I distinctly remember could not win the trust of the class Ooh. and at one point asked me what she should do to oh, like no. get the class to like her more oh no w- was that in your major or was that a core class that was a political science class yeah oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the film department had this guy who just learned a bunch of different ma- manipulation techniques and thought that's what teaching was oh sure. he's the only tenured professor that I have inca- that I encountered there who actually just got fired because he sucked so bad. <laughs> like it wasn't a title nine thing. It wasn't a sexual harassment thing. He was just such an awful professor to his students that the complaints piled up enough that they were like, oh, yeah, we have to get rid That's of that. incredible. One would certainly think that Kevin Sorbo's character in this movie, despite being presumably tenured, would also receive enough. Com- I feel like the thing with this, oh, definitely with dating, the thing with, dating yeah. a student would be enough. I imagine. Yeah. But no, he's 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 continuing on. People are still coming to these classes for some fucking reason. And parallel to Josh continuing his arguments with his extremely well put together PowerPoints, which I wasn't joking. Now he is actually arguing for young earth creationism, which has nothing to do with the existence of God whatsoever. He's also cribbing points from the book. God's not dead, which is a real book, because, again, this movie loves the product placement, right? And that's what Fireproof did. Fireproof Mm. has Kirk Cameron reading this book that's giving him advice on relationships that you could then buy when you went to the screening of Fireproof. Of course. Ah, It's it's all integrated product. Everything because they can't do things in the way that focus on the family did it quite. Right. They have to like merchandise it and make it more immediate so that you see the movie, screen it at your church, whatever, and then you get the merch right there. Again, the, the the end point to all of this is consumerism. I am curious, though, Greg, because like you, you have experience working in marketing. How yes. effective do you think that this movie is as a piece of marketing? Like, it's a big, long commercial, basically, right? Like, yeah, in, in many ways. Do you think it serves effectively in that in that regard? If you know your intended audience, sure. Like, this is not a movie that's trying to convince anyone. Right. This is mm-hmm. just, you know, slop for the piggies. Right. 
And I think it's, you know, I think it's been effective as we were just talking about in break. There have been, there's about to be the fifth God's Not Dead movie. Like this <laughs> right. is now, this is not a one-off thing. This is now a franchise. They don't- It's a cinematic universe. Yeah, you don't make five movies unless they're profitable. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would assume, yeah, like for the intended audience, I assume that this is like very big. Like if you are like a benevolent, true, chaste evangelical, you have these movies in your DVD library. Mm-hmm. So in that in that context, yeah, like you're buying, you know, you're buying the Duck Dynasty bullshit as well. And like, yeah, you are a part of this cinematic universe. What I do remember is that it made... Uh, an unexpectedly large amount against its yes. budget. The yeah. box office of the movie was sixty million dollars. Oh my Ooh. god! Sixty and this movie million is maybe, Okay, it, wow. I, I I actually estimated an even higher budget for this movie. I was thinking maybe around ten million. Uh huh. This was a two million dollar movie. Oh wow! Because with Christian Whoa. movies, you can really exploit people and right. get people to do a bunch of shit for free. I mean, that's that's thirty times its budget just in the box office. That does not count churches screening it that does not count dvd blu-ray sales that does not count later streaming and of course pure flicks operates its own streaming network um i mean they've they had this brand and then they launched it into its equivalent of the stratosphere yes with this one film incredibly effective marketing that yeah. that's the case yeah. if you're if you're getting <laughs> what a three thousand percent profit on this thing yeah insane yeah <laughs> insane yeah. yeah there's the marketing for the movie itself which is very crimbus special it's very like yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. A, a thing where you buy the dvds and we're talking about the dvds in the in the feature but like then there's what it purports to be advertising which is of course the ongoing reality of god being alive yes mm-hmm. and is it good marketing for that right it does not it does not seek to convert doesn't seem like it seeks to convert no, right? it does, it's not. This does. This movie does not convince anyone. No, I think, Greg, no. I think you, you sent me a message being like, who is supposed to be persuaded by this? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, this is the confirmation bias economy, which is very lucrative. I mean, sure. We, yeah. And everything that happens in the back half ish of this movie, which proceeds at a weird pace, like it keeps shifting up and down gears repeatedly mm-hmm. yeah. um, is is more stuff that just makes the audience feel good and superior about themselves. Amy, Mm. who vlogs the new left, uh, she goes and gets her MRI. There's a really weird moment in this scene where she takes her earrings off and the the tech is like, do you have any other metal anywhere in your body? And she's like, no. What is that? Are they, are they yeah, being like, they, do you have a, do, why do they have this dialogue? They treat it almost like it's this really humiliating thing that she's been asked. Are they t- like, it, are they implying that she has her clip pierced or something like that? Yeah, I don't I've no- the metal butt plug. What is this? She uh, she vl- she vlogged in Iraq and got some shrapnel. Guys. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very strange. Why would you even have this dialogue in the movie? I also like that she goes to Woman's Hospital. That is <laughs> the name of the facility. It is the hospital for the one woman, and she's ah, today's yes. woman. She's every woman. <laughs> the, the, yeah, this singular hospital named for its founder. Jedediah woman. The Whitney Houston Center for, I don't know, women who be having cancer. Yeah, they, yeah. they do be well, having I cancer. Feel like, I feel like, too, you know, she's not going to cancer's hospital. She's going mm. to woman's hospital, woman's which hospital. means that she has yeah. a woman kind of cancer. Yeah, yeah, Which, yeah, 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 it, which yeah. means she has a slut cancer. She right. has cancer from being too slutty. Like I said, Josh's arg in this next scene is directly cribbed from the book. 
God's Not Dead. They even yep. show they show him reading the book God's Not Dead, just as a helpful piece of product placement there. Josh's counter, by the way, mm-hmm. to the previous argument that was framed up is uh, no you, basically, that my 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 logic isn't the circular one. Your logic is the circular yeah, cause, one. Because Sorbo, Sorbo like owned him earlier on by being like, Oh, but you forgot Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Leading light in the academic philosophical circles, Stephen Hawking. It's like all these people are public intellectuals. There are people who write pop science books. And it's not like Stephen Hawking is isn't anyone. Dawkins kind of isn't, you know, but like they're not necessarily outside of outside of Hawking sometimes and Chomsky a little bit more. These are not important intellectuals. These well, are not people like moving the 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 field. It's 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 a it's a twofold thing, right? Number one is it's the people that they've heard of and or Googled. Yeah. But number two is that the only appeal that the writers understand is an appeal to authority, which is of course is fallacious. Yeah. But they are basically again applying their own logic to what they imagine sort of mm-hmm. their opposition might argue. Because of the fact that all they have is an appeal to authority, right? Their appeal is to the ultimate authority, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so they similarly think that if somebody is going to be countering their arg, that it's also going to be coming from a place of what they consider to be the highest authority, which is just Mm -hmm. the most credentialed or most well-known academics. Like Wheaton goes so far off of the idea of like, does God exist versus doesn't he? Because then he starts getting into like young earth stuff because Lee Strobel made this weird point about evolution. That is just a misunderstanding of like how we collect evidence of like, biological specimens which mostly you know because they're biological they decay and get buried under shit fundamental misunderstandings of these things that just serve as a gish gallop and Dwayne gish of course the inventor of that technique or the one for whom it was named was himself a young earth creationist (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's, Um, it's not it's not worth trying to evaluate these arguments on the merits because they're nonsense like they're genuinely just nonsense well they don't even accurately represent fully the people who they are quoting even no they're taking bits and pieces out of their arg to drive it up to to their own arg but it's like as somebody with a little bit of a debate background i just Mm, found myself trying to engage this stuff and being like oh well let me come up with a rational rebuttal to this you know trying to go all ben (laughs) shapiro on their ass yeah yeah like it doesn't matter because it doesn't make sense because it's not supposed to make sense. Because yeah. again, it's just confirmation bias. Right. Like Josh Wheaton takes, because because he got owned by the Stephen Hawking quote, he's like, oh, but I read that book, that book by Stephen Hawking. Right. And it turns out on page five, he says philosophy is dead. It, like you said, Josh, it's no you. It's just ba-bum. If you believe one thing Stephen Hawking says, you have to believe everything he says, which honestly, the way that they're arguing, that kind of is the the intellectual level that they're operating of at. Of course it is. All they're doing is throwing quotes back and forth and like you said, appealing to authority like it's the frogs. And AJ would have really liked that joke. (laughs) And this is also something that they do on the other evangelical media that we talk about. Adventures and Odyssey is always going to wrap up with a Bible quote that nine times out of ten is going to be taken completely out of context (laughs) and also has very little to do with the actual substance of whatever it was they were talking about in the episode because they need that little bookend so that they can Mm -hmm. do the little. And it's 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 such a it's such a frustrating and narrow 
and ultimately unserious way of engaging ideas. But they, they also have such a disrespect for their audience. That's the yeah. other thing that pisses me off. It's so insulting. That's that's really all mm -hmm. I had to say. I apologize for cutting you off. No, keep yeah, going. Keep going, that, please. No, but that really did. That really did bother me because it's like trying to explain argue it's like they're treating their 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 audience as if they're fucking infants mm -hmm. and just holding their hands through the whole the entire movie and again confirming all of their biases and patting them on the on the head and giving them like a i don't know like a, a sandwich bag full of che or cheerios for them to snack on right and, and, well, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not, so pandering yeah. that's it's the not, word i'm thinking of it's not just the ziploc bag full of, of of cheerios right it's like every five to ten minutes they will open up the bag and give you another yes, cheer. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. like force feeding. So we, we end up back at the uh, the the Muslim Armenian household and we 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 find ourselves with this girl who I, I don't think we mentioned her name is Aisha. Well, I don't think they that mentioned the her one, name until this point. I think I think they do say it at the beginning because I did make a note of it then because of course, Christians, the only thing they know about Islam right. is 9-11 and Aisha. She then just gets the shit beat out of her by her dad. Yeah. This is and then he he narrowly avoids honor killing her. This is a surprisingly violent scene. I mean, yeah. he fucking her dad slaps the shit out of her. Like, oh, it is. It is. It's jarring. Brutal. They they did real stunt work on this. Yeah. I mean, this is it's very um grounded and realistic in a way that the rest mm -hmm. of this movie is not. But then, yeah, they have this moment where he throws her out of the house, but then like wraps his hand around her yeah. neck for a very long time. Yeah. And then finally is able to overcome his beastly impulses and back away into the house and close the door. And she just lives on the streets now, I guess. And the music is so loud. <laughs> yeah. The fucking yeah, the fucking CCM music that they're playing over this. The like D tier Rebecca St. James knockoff is just going going to town on the Lord here. But the other thing is, and this is this is all to the point of like projection and the way that these people write what they know. They write this scene in a way that is very much analogous to the way that many people who are Christians treat family members who decide to leave the faith or are gay or trans, especially mm -hmm. gay or trans. But they really, <laughs> truly don't seem capable of seeing the analog between the behavior they're portraying here and how they are so fucking shitty their own yeah. families. It's yeah. amazing. Well, Josh Wheaton doesn't have a family. He doesn't have a girlfriend either. No one exists in his life. That's true. It's just him in this void of a it's like when uh, Beverly Crusher ends up inside that warp bubble and everyone on the Enterprise disappears. Right. Every Christian in Josh Wheaton's life has vanished. So after this, Amy, who vlogs the new left, uh, <laughs> she files her story on the Duck Dynasty guy, except it's just her being like, I have cancer. <laughs> Like her beat, Amy's beat from here on out is her just crying and being like, yeah. I'm going to die soon. It's just it's that same betrayal of in this movie, in the like conservative bubble you live in, anyone who has any sort of dissenting opinion or alternate lifestyle is then doomed to a life of suffering yeah. and sadness like that's very much how i grew up as as you know somebody who's who's lds and really mm -hmm. grew up in like i grew up in provo which is as lds i'm talking like 95 percent of my neighborhood was not only 
LDS, but like staunch, devout LDS. Like sure. we would see them in church in the pews. Yeah. That's that's what it was just hammered into you that there is only one way. There is God's plan. There is mm-hmm. the straight and narrow. And if if you go away from that, if you divert from that, even at all, that's when the pain. That's when right. the sadness. And th- and that's when that's when the anguish sets in, and you mm-hmm. are you're in for a world of hurt for the rest of your life. Yeah, it'll be like. Saturday's Warrior, where you're hanging out with your truck friend, truck yes. friends in San Diego, and then you discover that you know your mom miscarried, right? Like exactly, yeah. and that's you. That's your fault. You yeah. did that. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you you diverted from the straight and narrow, so this is your punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very victim blamey, and it's incredibly gross. So yeah, she writes that she has cancer, and then she has this like very weird little freak out. Scene. Motivated sequence, baby. <laughs> oh my god! So th- this actress, by the way, is Trisha LaFosh. She's been she she's you you can find her in other things. She was in Garden State way back. Oh. Uh, she's currently in Jury Duty. Um, she's kind of a deranged actor, honestly, and I love this about her. She has these very strange impulses, which make her scenes confusing instead of just bad. And I love that she takes this. Oh yeah, have a freak out and throw your computer shit on the floor to just being like. Yeah, I'm going to do this the weirdest way possible. If you look at her IMDb page, her like headshot is so strange. She's like standing at a table, but also has one leg resting sideways on top of the table. I see this. Like she has a Mm. fabulous energy to her. I forgot about like I just watched Jury Duty. She plays one of the attorneys. She's Mm. fucking great. She's yeah. so funny. And she's marvelous. Um, and you can tell, like, this is really how how important it is to not have an absolute dog shit fucking director. Right. Like, what, what's this guy's name? Harold Kronk. Uh, <laughs> Come on, awesome. that's not a real name. It's like the first title card. Once the movie starts up, you're like, you're hearing the the little the little song, and it just says a Harold Kronk film. Also, Paul Quo, who plays Chinese Martin, he's he's a you'll see him all over the place. Okay. He does a lot of video games. He was in Red Dead Redemption Two. Oh, yeah, seems to do some cartoons as well. Like they're they're aside from the names who are bad, like Kevin Sorbo and Dean Cain. Right. There are also good actors in this movie that are, you know, just taking that that fucking Christian movie paycheck. I think that's <laughs> maybe what makes in some cases this movie so bizarrely watchable, which, yeah. again, is very different from the other God's Not Dead movies, which are just yes. a slog, which are like an army of like of Dean Cain's yeah. and people who do Christian movies primarily. Yeah. Although you do get Ray Wise in two. You do get Ray Wise, who is who does the best oh, performance so in any of these films, yeah. <laughs> Amy, in this sequence where she's melting down, you can't, it's like, this is great. I wish more yeah. of the movie was like this because it's so fucking over the top and melodramatic. And I was like, give me more, please. Yeah. Sadly, we don't get more. Instead, what we get is Mina, Kevin Sorbo's student slash girlfriend. She comes to the school. She dumps Kevin Sorbo's ass for the uh, Mm -hmm. dinner scene betrayal. The Muslim girl, Aisha, comes to the church. She talks to Pastor Dave. This is also the payoff for why the rental car wasn't working this entire time, was that God was going to make it so that he could talk to the girl. I fucking hate this shit. Yeah, there's no other church in town. Right. Uh, There's no one else. and, And churches are also so great at finding people housing and shelter that's a thing they're known for doing i mean god we did an episode uh a couple months ago uh, about how the LDS church is actually right, the one yeah. who has been dividing, uh, who has been handling Utah's welfare services. Oh, God. Yeah. 
It's horrifying. And they've basically been holding people hostage and saying, hey, uh, you know, nice EBT card. Uh, it'd be a shame if something <laughs> happened to that. Anyway, church is from uh, 10 to noon uh, every Sunday. See you there. Yeah. Saturday's warrior follow up where the son leaves home and then just loses all of his welfare. Yes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I digress. Sorry. No, for it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's all, just, it's, but, it's, but it's all, gross. it's all, it's all connected, right? Like sure. these are, these are, this is the ethics in the morality that this movie is positing as a good thing. Mm-hmm. That the closer yeah. you get to the church, the, the the better your life will be. And also that like the best society is one that is fundamentally ordered around the church because mm-hmm. it's Aisha coming across Pastor Dave and having this heart to heart with him that helps her realize who it is that she really wants to be. Similarly, when Mina has her heart to heart with you Pastor for writing Dave, down we, all these names. We get these fucking back to back heart to hearts where Mina also has talks to Pastor Dave and, and he's like, oh, yeah. Kevin Sorbo's abusing you and you should be your yeah. own woman. She's like, yeah. How do you do a back-to-back heart-to-heart? Very carefully. Seems, okay. So Kevin Sorbo now <laughs> is really at his wits end because he keeps losing. He keeps yeah. losing in the marketplace of ideas in the classroom. They and do so, this weird scene where Josh Wheaton gets on an elevator and Kevin Sorbo is already there. Right. And it's one of those things where like these inept Christian movies use very specific filmic language that implies something other than what they mean. We talked about that already. Like there's this Billy Graham movie about like this father and daughter and the father has like oil money and stuff. And they end one scene with like the father and daughter. They've sort of reconciled on whatever their thing was. They look each other in the eyes and it immediately cuts to like an oil drill, like shooting into the ground. (laughs) Oh no. Um, And so here genuinely the feeling, the dark energy that comes off of Josh Wheaton getting in that elevator and Kevin Sorbo standing, standing in the back. I just thought, is he going to rape him? It really feels like that. <laughs> it really, truly feels like Kevin Sorbo is about to rape Josh because it's, he's the, the doors like you have the moment. And this is, yeah, filmic language where yeah. standing behind him, sort of looming over him behind in the in a powerful way. Yeah, and it's and, like Josh doesn't notice him somehow. Right. It's so weird. But no, that's not what happens. Instead, they just ride the elevator while Sorbo <laughs> intimidates him. And yeah, he's like, get, I got a, I got a secret trick for the new debate one weird trick we get back into the classroom and we get this back and forth and josh cranks it up a notch for christians the fixed point of morality what constitutes right and wrong is a straight line that leads directly back to god the fixed point is a straight line we need a god (laughs) to be moral that a moral atheist is an impossibility no but with no god there's no real reason to be moral i mean there's not even a, a standard of what moral behavior is for christians lying cheating stealing in my example stealing a great i didn't earn or forbidden it's a form of theft but if god stealing is a form of theft Dostoevsky famously pointed out if god does not exist then everything is permissible there we go out of context quote um but honestly these guys should read Dostoevsky right a yes. devout Christian author they would learn a lot about the craft from him but they won't because it's a book and like <laughs> me they are illiterate and again it it does not really you even do notes from underground it's short <laughs> there's no value in actually trying to unpack this arg it's facile on no. its face you no. know 
code of law. You can look at the history of codes of law and, you know, how they have developed over the years. You can look at all the different religious traditions and how different religions uh, do or do not bear to the legal codes of the. Like, again, I don't. Why am I saying this? This is fucking stupid. This is me. <laughs> this is dog shit. I hate it. I will say, though, I do think this does give kind of an interesting peek into like the the conservative uh, religious brain, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, granted, this is anecdotal, but this was really my upbringing mm-hmm. and like yeah. something that I'm, I, I, I assume you guys went through as well, but I went through heavily with my family when I left the, uh, the Mormon church was, well, how are you going to have any sort of moral compass? How can mm-hmm. you be a good person? And I do genuinely believe that a lot of Christians have that idea that the mm-hmm. only way to be a good person, I say that in, in quotations is by being Christian and by living those values. And if somehow you remove the Christianity, you remove the religion, you also remove the morality. Like the two things are Mm -hmm. 100% mutually exclusive. Yeah, no, I mean, that that was in in many ways what I was told growing up was that, you know, we derive our morals, our values from the Bible Mm-hmm. Because as we all know, you know, the Bible is, is 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 a completely objective document where there's only one way to interpret it. Yeah, there's sort of this weird state where, like, even though it flies in the face of other assumptions you have regarding, like, other religions mm-hmm. and, and things like that, is that you, you start to develop this sort of background idea that, like, people, as they are born and as they grow up in this world, are inherently godless. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so they have to find God. And the only God is the Christian one. And so all you have to do is just introduce the concept. Right. And then people be like, oh, I never thought of it like that before. Right. You just have to show your little proof that God exists because evolution doesn't real. Mm-hmm. Right. And they will be like, oh, that's it. I found God. But then it also holds this weird idea, like we see in this movie, that all atheists are people who did, in fact, believe in God and are now mad at him. Oh, yeah. And here that is. When a 12-year-old watches his mother dying of cancer, it's only natural to beg God for her life. And he'll promise anything to his make-believe grandfather in the sky, including to love and worship him forever, if only he will spare her. Sometimes the answer is no. Tell that to me the day you lose someone you love. She died believing a lie. She died believing that someone out there loved her even while he was strangling her to death. God who would allow that is not worth believing in. So his mom died. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 also really nice that they got the composers from uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution to <laughs> compose a song for this scene. I, I said, this is very Inception. Yeah. Like, Inception had just come out, and they're like, oh, yeah, let's do the little, yeah. This concept that, like, people stop becoming religious because they have faced a single tragedy, one, I think doesn't speak well to the religion on the whole, right? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be mm. there for, to it, 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 like, it just doesn't make sense that, that like, faith itself can just inherently be so weak but it it is also again not observed it is not something that is that you would draw from a real interaction with a real person who has lost their faith right why why does this happen in a sociological context where like countries like sweden or japan have just moved away from most supernatural belief in general or or from theistic belief it's not because 
everyone's mom died and 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 it it completely demolishes what the movie itself is trying to do which is try to argue against atheism because now it just becomes about arguing against this guy's hurt feelings right that's that's the thing this is the part of the movie where i went from like oh give me my slop i'm having so much fun this is terrible mm-hmm. to like no i'm actually like i started getting upset about this mm. and I, I started getting yeah. mad because it's so fucking insulting because the entire premise of this movie is we are going to debate the existence of god and then the giant like the climax of this movie becomes just exposing one man's trauma and then extrapolating that out to all atheists and people who don't believe in theism. Right. Yeah. And like, you, yeah, you're taking an anecdotal singular experience and massively applying it on a, on a large scale. And it, it's so insulting and it's so pandering and it's so childish mm-hmm. that it's, this is where the movie, again, it stopped being fun for me. Well, mm-hmm. yes, same. And that is also because having myself, I mean, Everybody has some sort of a story of trauma, right? Of something mm-hmm. truly unacceptable that happened, that that mm-hmm. that falls out of order with an idea of, you know, a, a caring, loving deity or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can take that experience and you can go wherever you want with it and different people go different ways. I have never, not once in my life, met someone who falls where Kevin Sorbo does on this, where he's like, well, I'm just so mad at God because yeah. that's what allows Josh to have his little coup de gras here. Simple question, Professor. Why do you hate God? Because he took everything away from me. It's a few good men now. Yep. Yes. Yes. I hate God. All I have for him is hate. How can you hate someone if they don't exist? I don't know, Josh Wheaton. <laughs> Josh Wheaton, I hate you, and you don't exist. <laughs> you fucking little bitch. Meet me outside. I don't want to, like, get super personal here or anything or, yeah. like, really unpack all my shit. But I imagine that anybody who is also listening to this who has had some sort of real personal struggle crisis that has led to them questioning their priors mm-hmm. has a much more complicated relationship with that than this fucking bullshit. And I think it is insulting. I think it is infuriating. And I agree with you completely, Greg. Like It's just, it's so, it's so, it's infantilizing is what it is. It's like, it's just, you're treating your audience like a bunch of babies. This yes. and like, yeah. instead of just like handing them one Cheerio, this is the climax. You just hand the kid the entire bag of Cheerios. <laughs> you stuff the bag yeah. down their fucking throat <laughs> yes, is what you exactly. do. Yeah. And it's like one of those things that Adventures in Odyssey does slightly better in the form of Eugene Meltzner. Mm. They have this character. He has lived through tragedy, but that that is not what really informs his beliefs. He's just a very rational person mm-hmm. who was raised by rational people and needs to find in the, the world of that, that story needs to find a rational way to God. Right. And, and that's why Lee Strobel exists. Uh, and what this is, is just saying, Oh, there's no one who actually doesn't believe in God. Yes. Right. The, the atheists just want to hurt God by making less people believe in him. That's just weird. Like when you line it up, it's like this doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. I guess the the logical conclusion to this argument is like if you don't believe in God, well then something bad happened to you and you're just bitter. And yeah. and yeah. something bad is going to happen to you as well. Like again, right. that that once you 
are a bad person. Bad shit's just going to keep happening because you're reaping what you sowed. Uh, Dean Cain uh, now goes to talk to the Alzheimer's lady. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Scene. And he's like, you have Alzheimer's and I hate you because I'm not a Christian. And then he drives away. Yeah. Uh, right. Although worth noting, by the way, um, just I, I did want to play the clip of what happens after Josh delivers his coup de gras. Oh, and the yeah. class responds yeah. because it is. God is not dead. That's Martin. God's not dead. specific reference that I'm going to make but it reminds me of at the end of Magic School Bus episodes where they there's the different callers that are like hello is this a Magic School Bus and then at, the yes. end, they all say at the same time we're calling the Magic School Bus <laughs> you just it's see an animated miracle. animated Malcolm Jamal Warner picking up his phone and fielding complaints oh uh, thank you for that Josh you're welcome <laughs> Uh, uh, Josh Wheaton has now converted his entire class. Chinese Martin is now Christian Martin. Yep. Yeah. Dean Kane talks to the Alzheimer's mother that he uh. has and is just like, you mean nothing to me because I'm not a Christian. And then she has like this weird moment of lucidity where she's talking about right. the, the specter of death that hangs over us but all. And she forgets him again because she yeah. has Alzheimer's. I was going to say they yep. gave her the Joe Biden debate drugs. Real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, meanwhile, uh, who vlogs the new left, uh, mm. goes and meets the newsboys, which is yeah. A, the a, cancer horror has now led us to a new plot. Right, we are in the last ten, maybe fifteen minutes of this movie, and now there's another thing happening. Well, she's which doing is that the newsboys are in town, right? And this is you got to remember, this is 2014. So this is. The Michael Tate Newsboys. Not great. And uh, uh, we're going to have a big concert at totally not the Staples Center. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Newsboys, for those who are not aware, Christian pop band, one of the most successful to ever do it. And yeah. Amy uh, is going to do another one of her famous ambush interviews. Yeah, she's going to ask them if they eat duck. So she uh, <laughs> asks them about like what the deal is, but they pretty quickly intuit that maybe she needs some help. I mean, we exist in the here and now. They've existed forever. Think about that. Yeah, mm. you know. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. <laughs> so I see, so when you're pressed, you quote a bunch of ancient scribblings and say, don't worry, it's all in there. Well, they may be ancient, but they're not scribblings. I mean, we believe God gave us an instruction manual, and it's where we draw our strength, and it's where we find our hope. Fucking, so where do you find your hope? Ah. Why did you keep this whole thing? <laughs> because I hate you. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> For that moment right there. It's so good. I, First of all, fucking child actor in Adventures in Odyssey ass performance from Jeff Frankenstein, the keyboardist oh, yeah. of, of Newsboys. Sc scary guy. Scary guy, Jeff Frankenstein. They're all wearing... Black shirts, black jackets, and red ties. Yeah, they look like Interpol. They do. They do. Yeah. But like yeah. a really shitty version of Interpol. And Greg, is that what they've yeah. always done? Uh, No. Okay. 
Greg, given that I'm assuming you don't know the Newsboys, uh, I do not. What was, know. what was your what was your feel for these guys? Uh, I thought it was cool that Creed had a black singer. <laughs> But not always. It's worth noting that Michael Tate, the replacement lead singer for Newsboys, previously uh, the lead singer was a man known as Peter Furler. Michael Tate had been the lead singer of a band known as DC Talk, and he came in and took over as the lead singer of Newsboys in around when this movie was made. Yeah, he did. He did Tate. He had a solo career for a little while. Um, it, D- DC Talk just doesn't exist anymore, right? I don't think so. They kind of they're just dissolved. Yeah, and then he became the lead singer of Newsboys, and he's he's built so much celebrity for himself. But honestly, not to me, right? You know, I knew who the Newsboys were. I've heard plenty of their songs, of course. You know, Sleeping with Fishes, Breakfast in Hell. Uh, I knew DC Talk. My brother certainly had a bunch of those albums. You know, I listened to I've I've been to some Christian concerts, Pillar, Five Iron Frenzy, Bleach, Skillet, you know, all these things. I I had no knowledge of who Michael Tate was. If someone had told me that name as a kid, I would I would just look at them with a blank face. This also goes back, though, to, again, the parallel media ecosystem here. Yeah, because for the kind of Christian who is going to watch God's Not Dead. Yeah, not Catholics. It's like, um, holy shit, <laughs> just the evangelicals. it's the fucking Newsboys. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't say that. They would say, holy crap, it's the freaking Newsboys. But like, <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 a it's a it's an incredible cameo. And here they are, the guys themselves witnessing to Amy, who vlogs the new left and letting her know that she, too, can go from being someone who vlogs the new left to someone who is saved by the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. Now the Newsboys are at the not Staples Center. Uh, they have the, the, the production team forgot to after effects out the word Staples from the arena, but only on one part of that shot, which I thought yeah. was very funny. Kevin Sorbo, meanwhile, is going through the God's Not Dead notes in his office uh, that all of his... <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, he's leafing through all the... Pieces of paper that people just wrote in giant letters, God's not dead, and then signed their names. Also, his office is like on the top of a skyscraper. Yeah. He's like with a with a full view of the skyline of city that they are in. <laughs> uh-huh. And he comes across a letter from his mom that she wrote before mm. she died. And it's like, you should love the Lord, Kevin Sorbo. He realizes that he also wants to go to the Newsboys concert because he sees the student newspaper that's like, the Newsboys are playing at the Knott Staples Center tonight. And and the thing is, the Newsboys, as you can tell, they're such charismatic and well-spoken people. Right. (laughs) They they really do have the power to just make you turn Christian at a moment's notice. As they do to Amy. Yeah. So he needs to perform a mitzvah and go to this this Newsboys concert. He needs to do virtue in the eyes of the Lord. So he just starts running right. through city, right through the whole thing. Then the movie does one of the most amazing things. It's the whole reason you've been sticking around. We keep cross cutting to the concert too. This is the longest ten minutes of 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 all of history. Yeah, is the yes. last ten minutes of this movie. Yeah, Greg, vibe it just check. Keeps like, going. how are you feeling at this point? Uh, I mean, at this point, before the big reveal, <laughs> uh, I think I. I had actually picked my phone back up. <laughs> <laughs> Usually when you do this cross-cutting, and especially when you're using music, it's supposed to feel faster. It's genuinely yes. like an incredible feat of filmmaking that they have managed to slow time down to this degree. What happens is we we see uh, David A.R. White 
and his African friend, and they're like walking around because again, no, they're the driving around. Work. They finally oh, got no, the, the car. car. Finally works. They're driving. That's right, and they see Kevin Sorbo run in front of their car. He has a green light. It started raining just because I don't know they needed it to rain. Yeah. But and yeah, no, then, Kevin Sorbo has right of way. He's not jaywalking. He, yeah, he's not jaywalking yeah. at all. He 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 he's a Christian again, so he's following the law. Right. <laughs> There's even a moment where like you see the 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 the, the traffic sign have the the orange hand and you yep. can there's a moment where it focuses on him and it's like is he going to jaywalk? Is he not going to jaywalk? And then he doesn't do it. He waits for the little man to show up before he crosses yep. the street. And then he runs in front of the pastor's car which is stopped because again Christian following the law. Right. And then in the next lane, another car zooms by, launches Kevin Sorbo up into the air. We do this like the vertigo drop from the window shot. Mm -hmm. It's like a slow motion (laughs) Zack Snyder close up of him up in the sky as he just falls back onto the pavement, killing him instantly. (laughs) I'm assuming at this point, Greg... This is when you put your phone back down when this moment happens. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Watching Kevin Sorbo get Meet Joe Black. <laughs> Just amazing. Like, honestly, the best part of the entire movie. There, it, it is. It's like... It's so... So it's it's just so bizarre. Like, yes. what is the point? Yeah. Of he, he, he flies. <laughs> he needed to suffer. He needed to suffer for being an atheist he for so long. He flies upward toward the camera, which all of a sudden is above him. It's this very poorly yeah. composited After Effects shot where he is. Yeah. Um. This was half the budget of like the movie. Looking up <laughs> yes. at the camera, falling up in slow motion, and then falling back down again. And like as he hits the ground. Time resumed its normal pace. David A.R. White and uh, his, his, his African, his African pastor friend, friend yeah. they come, they talk to Kevin Sorbo. The, the, the African friend just looks at him and is like, yeah, all of his ribs are cracked. He's bleeding internally. His his lungs are drowning in their own blood. Yeah, He'll be dead in five know? minutes. He's not like, how, how could anybody know it's this? Yeah, it's, it's his African wisdom. It's his intuition. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, but we get the buzzer beater in here. God is willing to forgive you of your sins. Accept his son and ask him into your life. Got that dance section music, music again. again. All yeah. you have to do is just accept his son, accept his love, and receive his forgiveness right now. Do you accept him as Lord and Savior? Yeah. Welcome to Exception. <laughs> <laughs> Minutes, you're gonna know more about God than I do. About <laughs> this is so bleak. This is such a dark so thing to say. It's okay. Go towards the light. Rip to a real one. Yep, and then he dies and goes <laughs> to heaven. Such a fucked thing to say. <laughs> it's you're dying, and you know what? You just accepted Jesus. And you're going to be so much happier and so much better than all of us. Then my question is like, if everything, what the fuck is the point of life is if everything is just better when you're dead? Yeah. Did God just put us all here by accident? Yeah. Uh, He put us here so we can all suffer. uh, If you're a good Calvinist. He gets off Um, on it. No, I I mean, like, I mean, I I I actually, I I do think that we are placed here to suffer. I got Mm. a boo-boo two days ago when I was rehearsing this new escape room script. Usually it's the other actor who closes the front door of the escape room, you know, that they then have to leave at the end. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and then this time it's just me monologuing. I had to close the door mm. and I cut my finger oh. from, oh, I just no. touched a door bad and Brian has a boo-boo. Well, and I want you, I want, I want you to text your friends. I want you to text everyone in your contact list right now. Brian has a boo-boo. <laughs> they need to know. They need to know that Brian's boo-boo is here. So the reason that Brian is making this really good joke is that we go, it's a smash cut back to the Newsboys concert and fucking the Duck Dynasty guy pops up. Like Michael yeah, Tate's like, yeah, hey, we've got, we got a special uh, guy who's here with us via satellite downlink. He's got a great message for all of you. And we hear this. Hey, hey I'm Willie Robertson speaking on behalf of the Robertson family. It's not your last name, Duckfuck. We've heard in the news that there's been a bit of a squabble down there on campus. It was in the news? One of your professors insisted that God is dead. I like that they just need to dab Ooh. on this dead guy. Like, fuck you, Kevin Sorbo. The corpse in the dabbing on a dead dude. Just, <laughs> spiking his corpse in the end zone. Good. Now while this next song is playing, I want everyone to go to their contacts and click on everybody you know and text them. Three simple words. God's not dead. And there's 10,000 of you out there and everyone knows about 100 people. That's a million messages right there. A million times Amway logic. tell Jesus that we love him in the next three minutes. And for the young man, who took up the gauntlet <laughs> to defend God's honor. That's Michael Tate. Michael Tate. You know who you are. I can only imagine the smile you put on God's face. This one goes out to you. And uh, So it was in the news, but no one knows it's Josh Wheaton, who's right there in the crowd? Or does Michael Tate not want to take the glory away from God that's by like, what, pointing I think it's him that, out? Yeah. Wait, that that made the news, but the like the the Kevin Sorbo's character like grooming one of his students and like you know running this absolutely <laughs> insane class that that doesn't make the news at all. No, not, no. not a big deal. Not no. not not in, not in Obama's America. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, let me be clear. We're gonna groom the students. We're gonna we're gonna groom all of them, and then we're gonna we're gonna groom them into killing God. <laughs> D- Josh, did you get one of these texts? No, did you? I did. No, oh, I got, I've gotten a couple of these texts. Oh wow, yeah. yeah, no. So this moment is obviously metatextual, right? Like you are intended as the audience at this point to whip out your phone and, and text, text the title of the movie to everyone and put it on your socials, put it on your Twitter right. and your Facebook and your Instagram and your uh, whatever else existed at that point. And your yo effective marketing. It worked. Vine. It yeah. fucking worked, right? Mm-hmm. Like to, to the yeah, exactly, right to the point of like. The marketing campaign, so much of this was word of mouth, and they uh-huh. did the thing at the end, letting people know that they should let their friends know about this great thing that has no connection to the title of this movie. You just want to casually let them know that God is still alive. Which is why I, I am starting a new initiative for the worst of all possible worlds, where I want every listener of the worst of all possible worlds to text everyone in their contacts list. Go on Twitter, go on Blue Sky, go on mm. Parler, go on Truth Social, Discord, and say Brian has a boo-boo. No, say, say, say this. Brian has a boo-boo <laughs> trending. I want everybody to uh, get on the networks and say, just three simple words. I'm cool Voltaire. 
Uh, that's, that's all you need to do, okay? I'm cool Voltaire. Let's get this trend. And then do another one and also say Brian has a boo-boo. Do both. Do both of these. Do two things. See, now you have to Photoshop Voltaire not only with cool sunglasses, but with a Band-Aid. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so... This is that's fucking God's not dead. Um, the, yeah, the, 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 I really, I really wish he was. The, <laughs> I really do. Yeah, me too. The the hot Muslim girl. Uh, she is uh implied to be Josh's future wife. Uh, which is exciting. She also likes C.S. Lewis, and uh, yep. we've done it. So, Greg, uh, yep. how are you feeling? Great. <laughs> Thanks. The I'm going to the yeah. pool here in just a bit, yeah, yeah. and uh, that's mm-hmm. I, I do need. I feel like I do need some R and R, some like yeah. very like legitimate downtime. Like I, I I I texted you guys yesterday. Like this is a movie that made me reconsider our friendship. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Is there anything that you would like to let our listeners know about with regard to what it is you have going on other than going swimming, which is important? Yeah, you can. Uh, I, I guess you can follow me online. Uh, if you're not rate limited, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're not rate limited, uh, I am at dad sham dad uh on twitter dad sham dad dot sky dot social if you're on if you got one of those invites uh i am wife guy fieri on instagram <laughs> if you like pictures of bikes and dogs uh my podcasts are brigham young money uh which is a we're uh, a bunch of utah lefties who talk about local and national politics and culture and uh the insane state of utah uh and then i do a basketball podcast with sarah todd who is the uh, beat writer for the Utah Jazz uh, called Unsalvageable. So yeah, <laughs> I am extremely online and very easy to find. Oh yeah, yeah. So check out those links. We've got them in the description. If you want more Worst of All Possible Worlds, Patreon.com/slash Worst of All is your one-stop shop for that shit. Lots of great episodes that are premium that you can get for mm-hmm. a mere five dollars a month, or for ten dollars a month, you will get access to the monthly Lads Cast, where we shoot the shit about whatever is on our mind in an unscripted fashion. Also, even at the $5 tier, you will get access to our mostly monthly fancy movie time, just as long as AJ stops getting stuck in rival escape rooms, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, because he edits that one and not me. Thank God for that. He also has, like, I think just a a wonderful sensibility for how he edits. I really like the style that he's brought to those those episodes. Um, But other than that, yeah, all of you just have a great day and never ever watch any of these fucking movies don't, just don't, don't do, do it. it don't, don't do, do it. it please don't, don't do, it. do it it'll give you a boo-boo <laughs> i'm the worst of all possible brian's i'm the worst of all possible josh's and i'm cool voltaire <laughs> <laughs> he has a voice now <laughs> it's canon <laughs>